Welcome back to episode 149 of the Hockey Cards Gone Show podcast. My name is Josh. I'm here with Troy. What's going on, Troy? Not a whole lot. All is good in the world. Minnetonka is ranked number one again for girls hockey in class AA. We're back. So there you all go. Good there. All good there. Won the holiday tournament, right? Yep. So that was probably the big impetus there. Yeah, and Hillary lost to like a to Lakeville North, who was rated, I think, ninth or eleventh at the time. So that helped us. There you go. But Troy, it only matters if you finish number one at the end. Right? That's true. Very true. There you go. Well, I'm back at home. Back in my normal background. It should probably get a more interesting background at some point. I can bring you over uh, this banner thing. You can have the banner. We can look at my You should chaos. do like the green screen thing and have like <laughs> dancing bears behind you. Or there you go. There you I go. don't know. Spent a long weekend up in northern Minnesota, where I'm from. Last show, I was in my sister's bedroom. It was <laughs> kind of funny. And you know what I got from Christmas for my family, Troy? What'd you get? Sick. Nice. Yeah. Um, everyone in my office is sick right now, too. Our like general manager just came down with COVID. <laughs> and oh, everyone's no. like, we're all staying home. I mean, we work from home basically, anyways, but we're just like, enough of this. We're not getting sick. So I have deeper sick voice today. Nice. Which only bums me out kind of in one regard because we have new mics we're testing out. Yeah. Upgraded our microphone. So everyone feedback, let welcome. Just yeah. let us know if they sound horrible, they sound great. You notice no difference. We'll see. I hope they sound better. That was the plan, right? <laughs> We're a little spendier than our last well, one. But. Like we said, we were talking off air. We're both not audio engineers, so we have no clue what we're doing half the time, but we try to think we do, and we'll see how this works out. It's kind of weird in my head. It, uh, I do sound different in my headphones, so I'm, I'm interested to get feedback how it sounds on from the other end from people. I do too, and it's weirding me out. So I'm glad that I'm not I'm not the only one. And I I should probably throw out there like in what did the police say like an APB? If there yeah. is any audio engineers out there and you want to help us out, hey, <laughs> uh, shoot us a message uh, with it because uh, we are not. That is for sure. All right, lots planned for today. Before we do though, Troy, just a quick reminder that the Hockey Cards Gong Show podcast is a Patreon podcast. That means we rely on support from listeners like yourself. Help us cover our show expenses, produce more, and hopefully better hockey card content and fun initiatives, even in a small way to grow the hockey hobby. Very easy to support us. You can join out of 199 support level tier for only $5 a month. Be one of the first 199 supporters of our show. To do so, all you got to do is go to, you can go to our website, hockeycardsgongshow.com, and click on the Become a Patron link. You can go to the Patreon website, patreon.com, and search for Hockey Cards Gong Show. Or there's a link in the show description if you're listening to us on a podcast app, or in the YouTube description as well, and then our Instagram and TikTok profiles there's a link there as well yeah all right Troy let's go let's do this you ready with the game plan all right on today's show we begin with the almost greatest NHL player to wear number 49 then we do a hockey cards gong show social media roundup those are always exciting next it's off to hobby news then it's off to a segment where we look into our crystal ball and Josh we basically say forget this Ovi guy he's old news could Austin Matthews ultimately own the NHL goals record so we'll take a Very look controversial. at that controversial hobby drama we then take a look at new product releases we end the show by looking at some of our favorite hockey cards in the current pwcc weekly auction and any personal pickups and spoiler we have some <laughs> not a lot but we have some can i jump right. in and say yeah, go ahead. Right, that I'm, I'm already really enjoying not being on my parents internet <laughs> doing like i can actually have a conversation with you in real time it was so scary i'm not, I'm not looking like in. a robot where it's like frozen and then i like move around like max headroom 
Yeah, remember like a long time ago if you'd like have a like a phone call with somebody in Alaska or something like that. Oh, yeah. And you'd you'd say something and you'd have to wait for them to hear it. That was kind of like us on our last show. So this is <laughs> a very very exciting for us. Yeah, that was that was weird, but yeah, I'm glad to. I'm glad you're back on the the fast internet. All right, Josh. Previously, we looked at the greatest NHL player that wore the number that matched our episode number. We ran through all the numbers. So now we are now so we are now looking at the almost greatest NHL player to wear each number from the runners up in the hockey writers greatest NHL player to wear each number article. So Josh, the almost greatest NHL player to wear number 49 per the nominees in the hockey writers greatest NHL player to wear each number article and selected by me is Joe Juno. And I did not I I'm gonna, I didn't know much about this guy at all. Heard I the name. Him. I remember his hockey cards. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. And I'm going to, in all honesty, I'm going to be fair about this one. This one is a little bit of a stretch. Joe Juno was the only runner-up listed. And I looked at his career and how he wore, or when he wore number 49, he only wore it his first three seasons in the NHL when he played oh, for no. the Boston Bruins. So it's kind of a, I guess there might have not been any other good 49s, but that's our, how, that's how we got to Joe Juno. With that said, fascinating person i'm actually glad i got to do some research on him i reached out to our buddy name indigenous uh what's it card collector a rookie card collector yeah. and had to ask him a question but really good really good insight on this guy and looking up looking him up so i'm, I'm glad to learn some about joe juno so as i mentioned there were no other runners up at number 49 and as a reminder the greatest to our number 49 was brian savage I didn't remember doing that one. I was so long. Do you remember ago. when we got the, the mailbag question about should kids wear 99 and 97? Yeah. I, I don't think they're talking about 49. In that no, <laughs> I don't think so either. All right, Joe Juno. He's a center slash left winger from Holt. I, I want to say Rogue. I know it's not. It's probably like it's R-O-G-U-E, Quebec. So it's like Pont. It, it, is it Rouge? <laughs> like Moulin Rouge? It might be. I don't know. Our French right. people will tell me that I'm ridiculous. It's like, I want to say point rogue, but I know that's wrong, <laughs> but that's what it looks like to me. But it's like Pont Rouge or something. Anyways, P-O-N-T hyphen R-O-G-U-E, Quebec. Juno was selected 81st overall in the 1988 NHL entry draft by the Boston Bruins. Juno played in 828 regular season NHL games over a 13-season NHL career. Juno played his first two and three-quarter seasons with the Boston Bruins, then played six seasons with the Washington Capitals. He then had stints with Buffalo, Ottawa, Phoenix, and Montreal. Very Yager-like. Seemed to travel around a lot. Yeah. When I think of him, I think of him with the Capitals. Yeah. That's the that's where he had the majority of his career, but not the, not the best success, I will say. Mm-hmm. For his awards and accomplishments, he was a 1992-93 all-rookie team selection. That's all we got. For the course of his career, Juno had 156 goals, 416 assists for 572 points. Juno made the playoffs in 10 of his 13 NHL seasons, compiling 25 goals, 54 assists for 79 points in 112 NHL playoff games played. Best season of his NHL career from a point standpoint was his 92-93 season, where Juno had 32 goals, 70 assists for 102 points, in 84 games played with the Boston Bruins. Now, that sounds like a lot, but if you go look up the 92-93 season, everyone was scoring over 100 points. It was one of those yeah. 
oddity years where just scoring was <laughs> going crazy. That was his rookie year, right? I believe so. Yeah, and I think the same rookie year, year as Timu when Timu had like 76 Is that or 73 goals. goal or 76 goals? Yeah. All right. Juno was a star college hockey player at RPI. I'm not even trying. I don't I know I can't say their first name. It's or so it's I don't know, Josh. What is it? Rensselaer Polytech Institute. I always call it RPI, where he was a two-time All-American. He was also a 4.0 GPA student and earned a degree in aeronautical engineering, which wow. we'll get to more in fun, interesting facts. Juno never reached 100 point plus points after his 92-93 season. And he saw his offensive numbers steadily decline due to chronic injuries. He did continue, however, to be a solid defense, defensive forward during his NHL career. So he comes out of the gates <laughs> going nuts, and then chronic injuries kind of declined, but still 13-season career made it work. And it was kind of funny. I didn't put this in here, but I was reading about him and his contract. Kind of got in a spat with the Bruins because he wanted it written in that he got paid his full NHL salary if he got sent to the minors. And the Bruins were like, nope, you know why? Because Wes Walls had the same thing a year before, and Walls was a wild guy who's on TV now for the wild. And they got totally burned by it. Like, he got yeah. sent to the Myers, and they're like, I just think it's funny that Wes Walls is the impetus for Joe Juno not getting that. Yeah, in the end, of the, he didn't get that in his contract. All right, so that's a little bit of Juno. After retiring, Josh, now right, here comes some more speech stuff for Troy. Juno became a partner and account manager at Quebec City-based Harfin Technologies. Juno then moved to Fairbanks, Alaska, where he helped promote hockey to the youth in the area before moving to, I'm just going to spell it, K-U-U-J-J-U-A-Q, Quebec. Name sent me a video where they actually say it, and I still couldn't say it. I really? Just, I, I couldn't. I just My tongue won't work that way, and I couldn't say it, but that's what it is. Where he headed a hockey program for Inuit youth, in northern Quebec, focused on encouraging academic progress. There's a lot of stuff about the work he did with that program out there and then kind of unceremoniously got me removed from it after really? like 11 or 12 years. It was – it's not that I don't think he did. I think it was just a kind of this corporation kind of took over and they kind of butted oh. heads on what they thought this program should be going forward. So I don't think he's still doing that is what I, I kind of came. But you can find – Ton of information on it if you go look for Joe Juno. So, Josh, for fun, interesting facts, his nickname per hockey reference and their fun little nickname guide is Little Joe. That's the only, that's the only reference I ever saw to Little Joe, but I'm going with it. His that's a 70th, horrible nickname. I yeah. would not like that. Yeah. I remember a lot of wrestlers being like little something, little something here. And his if sev- this was not a family show, I'd have a lot of fun <laughs> yeah. with that. Yeah. But it, for remind seven- me again, it's a family show. Yeah, I will remind you. His 70 assists in the 92-93 season were the most assists in a season by a left winger in NHL history until the 21-22 season when our boy Jonathan Huberdo had 85 assists. Now, here's the crazy thing, and someone might have to go double-check me. I know Huberdo did it. I looked it up. It was in Wikipedia, but I went to the NHL record site on NHL.com, looked at left wingers, season high assist they don't have huberto's listed and i was in a different position i looked i couldn't find him anywhere i don't know what was going on if i just was really missing it but it is huberto i know it's huberto i saw it It, he had 85 assists one year but anyways enough can we do a slight huberto 
Oh yeah, um, tangent. tangent. Oh yeah, I know where you're going with this one. Yeah, what did the only thing John Huberto needed to write his life was to play yep. the Minnesota Wild. Yep. Of course, who has a goal the other night? He hasn't scored in what a month. Yep. Didn't have a point in. Wasn't were you the one that had the stat like? Yeah. Nikita Kucherov has 28 points since John <laughs> yeah. Huberto's last point. Well, I, I, I stole the, the stat from someone online, yeah. but yeah. And it wasn't even that. I mean, it was a it was a kind of neat move, but it just looked slow. And of course, was it yeah. Flower? Flower's kind of flopping over trying to find it, like if I remember right. But yeah, Huberto scored. All right. In 1996, Juno became the first player ever to be awarded a penalty shot in overtime in a Stanley Cup playoff game. He did not score. How would oh, you that be the ref that? Fact. Yeah, how would you like to be the ref that called that one? It's like, all right, I'm calling a penalty shot in the NHL playoff Stanley Cup playoff game in overtime. overtime. That's crazy. All right, our boy Josh Joe Juno was a licensed pilot with a degree in aeronautical engineering. During the NHL lockout in 1984, Juno and his father built an airplane. <laughs> Josh, could Juno be the only NHL player who is a rocket scientist? I don't know. Phil he Kessel, is he a rocket scientist? Oh, he could be. Phil, he's a hot dog a lot, scientist. A lot of things Phil Kessel is. We never know. Yeah. Yeah, might be. Yeah. All right. On that note, Juno has stated that earning his aeronautical engineering degree from RPI as his greatest accomplishment, greater than anything he did in the NHL. It should also be noted that Juno didn't know English when he started at RPI and decided to go into the toughest major at the school, while also learning English at the same time. Wow. There's, there's some people that amaze me. Like, I would never, could you imagine, like, Troy, I'm going to go to like, the toughest program at some French-Canadian university in Quebec. <laughs> I'm going to learn French and do this program at the same time. No way would I, I'd make it a week and just collapse under the weight. Get a physics physics degree in Montreal yeah, or something go. like that. At a French university. That would be, I don't, where is RPI? I don't even know where it is. Out east. <laughs> you okay. think I'd have looked it up, but no. it's out east somewhere. I hope. I'll look it up when I went after this segment. All right, Josh, his rookie card right here on screen. It's all tiny for our YouTube video viewers. I moved it up a little bit. 1991-92 Parkhurst, number 234. Pretty basic looking card, but that's what Parkers were in the 90s. PSA 10, Josh, has a pop of one. With wow. a gem rate of twenty five percent, a so I couldn't find any sales, obviously. But a PSA nine, uh, this card was also made. They also made French copies, so I found a PSA nine of the French copy that sold for eighteen dollars ninety nine cents US on November thirteenth of this year. This card also has a BGS nine point five pop, Josh, of two, with a gem rate of fifty percent. So do the math. Couldn't find Those any ugly BG- cards. I know they're really ugly. <laughs> Couldn't find any BGS slabs that sold. Raw copies, you can find them on eBay. They're super cheap. One dollar, two dollars. And then you have the ones magically listed for twenty dollars, hoping someone pays for it. But yeah, if you want a raw copy, go find it. Fascinating guy, though. Super smart, super intelligent. I should say too, I read a I had to go on the internet wayback machine to find these articles about Juno and that program. And you know, he said his greatest accomplishment was his RPI degree, but I found another one. He said he kind of said after that, now his greatest accomplishment is his whole like the youth program and developing all the kids there. He said that's his greatest accomplishment now. So interesting guy, really cool story. Yeah, a lot to respect there. 
Yep. All right, kind of we hinted about last couple of weeks that we were going to give Ricky Deep Dive a little bit of a break yep. to kind of get into some of the bigger names as we head into the Series 2 release, which we think should be end of February, early March. And it gives us the opportunity to try some other stuff out, I guess, yep. in that spot, in the spot in the lineup, Troy, of our yep. show. And and since we're at really the first of the month and really the first of the year, we've been doing a lot of social media stuff to kind of look back at December, look back at 2023 and some interesting data that we found. And I thought it would be kind of fun to roll through on the show here. So we're going to do a little gong show social roundup. First thing we're going to look at is our monthly top 25 players with the most cards sold uh, report we do every year. I think I look up every month. I want to say it's like 250 players yeah and then it takes forever it gets kind of mind-numbing i do question my why do i do this every single time when i'm about halfway through it oh yeah tons of comments on it yeah uh i just like to know and it's kind of fun to see now that i think we've done it for like 15 months or something like that to have that historical record in a spreadsheet kind of i think could be useful data for us down the road so I think on Tuesday, we published our Who's Hot for December of 2023, top 25 players with the most cards sold. And Troy, for the second straight month now, Connor Bedard takes the number two spot behind Wayne Gretzky. So Connor Bedard sold 2016 cards of the month of December. Gretzky is by far still the king. Yep. 3,197 cards sold for the month. Every month we've ever done this list, Wayne Gretzky has been number one. Yep. Every month we've done the list two. Connor McDavid had always been number two since the last two months. And he's kind of taken the spot from, from McDavid. So McDavid comes in third with 1,854 cards sold. And what still impresses me about the Bedard selling 2,000 cards is there's not a lot of cards out yet yeah. for him. So it's Easter eggs, I guess, redemptions, Team Canadian Canada Junior. cards. Yeah, Team Canada. WHL cards, 2,000 in a month. Number number two in, as far as player ranking. Does he overtake Gretzky once Series 1 comes out? Or Series 2 comes out? Sorry. I don't know. That would be wild. Is that bigger than beating Gretzky's goals record? Have we decided <laughs> that? I don't know. And then so you have Gretzky 1, Bedard 2, McDavid 3. And then the other thing that you would know, and you can go back and look on our, on our Instagram, every month, Crosby and Ovechkin are very close to each other, and they seem yep. to flip-flop. Yep. This month, they were incredibly close. So Crosby comes in at number four with 1,413 cards sold, two cards ahead of Alexander Ovechkin, who had wow. 1,411 cards sold, which is, uh, again, just crazy. Other kind of notes, you know, beyond the top five, uh, if you look at, like, our biggest risers, mm-hmm. so Bobby Orr climbed 10 spots from November to number seven with 1,021 cards sold. Marty Brodeur had the biggest jump from November to December. She climbed 12 spots from 24 to 12 with 824 cards sold last month. Biggest faller was Quinn Hughes, who was number seven in November, but fell to 16 in December with 672 cards sold. Not really surprised by that. Again, we've been doing this now for coming on a year and a half-ish, 15, 16 months, whatever it is. What you'll notice is the month these guys really pop off. So we saw like the same thing with Jason Robertson. We saw it with Jack Hughes. We saw it with Tage Thompson. They tend to have that really big spike kind of that month. They really pop and then come back down a little bit. And then last thing, Trey, I thought I'd point out on this is three players that were not in the top 25 in December or November did jump back on the list in December. 
Quinn Byfield came in at number 19 with 577 cards sold. Yuraj Slavkovsky at number 20, 565 cards sold. And then Trevor Zegras at 23 with 517 cards sold. So there's your uh, top 25 players with most cards sold in the secondary markets. Um, use card letter sales history to come up with the data, just in case anyone's wondering there. Yep. Anything jump out at you other than what I pointed out? Yeah, just the stuff you pointed out. Bedard, obviously. I, I honestly think he's probably going to take the number one spot once Series 2 comes out. And then, or if, or for sure, extended when you can get that yeah. rush of those cards, then I think he's going to finally overtake the number one spot. Now it will be interesting to see how if he if he does take over number one, how long he can hold it. That will be fascinating to watch. Yeah, but yeah, the rest of it pretty much makes sense. Interesting to see Zegers pop back in. But the other report that we published, I uh, did a post about was Total Young Guns sold for the month of December 2023. Did this uh, yesterday on our Instagram as well, so you can check it out there if you want more detail. Last month, Troy, 16,671 Young Guns were sold, 12% down from last December, so looking at year over year. I I don't know what what factors into that. You know, it's hard. I was trying to think, well, what could that be? Could it be kind of the economy, the sports card market? Is it that couple of the most recent releases don't have like crazy chases that people are going after now. Like we talk a lot about 2022, 23 hobby class, even series one from this year. I mean, I like Luke Hughes. I like Matthew Nyes. He's a gopher, you know, go gophers, roll the boat, sky him up. But I don't think he's going to be a 50 goal scorer in the NHL. No. Plus I wonder how much war chesting has to do with this. We always hear people war chesting for Bedard. So maybe they're slowing their roll on buying stuff right now. and just waiting for, hard to come out but when you talk about too like we've we've heard data points that may or may not be accurate to whatever degree that transaction volume has been really strong even yeah. despite prices falling i wonder if people are moving away from young guns a little bit too i don't know we're really It'd hard to weird. say so it this one sixteen thousand six hundred seventy one young guns sold in december averages out to about 538 sales a day 88 sales per day less than november so a pretty big drop from november to december there and then Troy, all last year, so looking at 2023 and a whole as a whole, one thousand 188,960 total young guns were sold. Hmm. So that that that's the total for been yeah. tracking this now for a full year. And kind of interesting to see. I think like the low month was right around ten thousand and the high month 18, high eighteen thousands. Right. So that's kind of the the range. Yeah. Well, when did series one come out? Was it November? No, it was early October this year. And so last year, it was November 9th. So so that's why, uh, you know, there could be a little bit of, like, why why December's down. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, There's so many factors. It's really hard to tell. But it it is interesting to see the numbers. So here's my question for you. If 188,960 total (laughs) young guns were sold in 2023, how many Connor Bedard young gun sales do you think there will be? I mean, it won't be 190,000. <laughs> they will, everyone that is printed will be sold by someone. I don't know. It's, it's going to be a lot. I bet. Be I'm, I'm going to go on a limb and say 15,000. Okay. So 10% of the, well, not no, less than that, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see it too if the total goes up next year with Bedard and Carlson, Fantilli, Cooley. Cooley. Yep. Maybe, you know, we'll have the, the, 2024 25 series one guys too so whatever if will smith gets called up from college or i don't know if celebrini would come at this point yeah who knows 
And then the last social post we wanted to review is yesterday as well. We posted the top five hockey card sales of 2023 uh, again to our Instagram. We're going to roll through the, t- we'll go from five to one, make it suspenseful. <laughs> and uh, a couple kind of interesting notes on each of them. Uh, first of all, I'll say is all five over a hundred thousand yep. US. So that's good to know. Number five, Troy is a 2015, 16, the cup Connor McDavid, RPA PSA nine. So for 102,000 last last April, pretty big sale there. A really nice patch. I mean, it's not only three color, kind of really interesting. Looks like a letter or number or something like that uh, on there uh, on there as well. So uh, obviously a big card. Number four is another McDavid 2015, 16 Young Guns High Gloss out of 10 BGS 9.5. So for 109,866. U.S. dollars at the end of August. Right, this was the first Young Guns card to ever sell for more than a hundred thousand dollars, and is also currently the highest selling Young Guns of all time. How is this a nine five? Just look at this thing. Yeah, the corners are. Look at the right upper right huh. corner. It's terrible. Yeah, I I saw. Was it? Oh, the lower left corner is worse. Yeah. What's, uh, what's sport, the sports card cartel? I think posted. That's why I, I saw this, and I was like. No, once you zoom in, it's like, whew, I don't know about that. Buy the card, not the grade, right? Yep, there you go. Still, though, first Young Guns to ever sell for more than $100,000, and it makes sense. It's the McDavid Young Guns yep. out of 10. Number three, Troy, is a 1979 OPG Wayne Gretzky PSA 9, sold for 156000 last January. Pop 93. That's a 156000 for a Pop 93 card. <laughs> it's a healthy, wow. <laughs> healthy amount. And it actually held. I, I, so one of the things I was curious when it is, you know, that's almost a year ago. We know like high end cards in particular have taken a hit in the past year. And part of me was thinking, what's this worth now? What if it's worth like 50 grand or something like that? There was a sale, though, on New Year's Eve, J- December 31st for 135,420. So, you know, hasn't lost too much value in the past year. Other note on this one is there were six total sales of this card in 2023, over a hundred thousand. And so for the purposes of our list, we just picked the top sale. Yeah. Be pretty, you know, we could have worded in a way or structured the top five sales in a way where basically three of them were the same card, but that's kind of boring. So Mm -hmm. didn't want to do it that way. Number two, we go back to McDavid 2015, 16 ultimate collection, ultimate rookies, NHL shield auto one one. So for 181,800 this past September, so not too long ago, it kind of feels like this was way longer ago, or <laughs> much longer ago than that. I don't know. It kind of feels like a good price to me. If you think about his cup, RP, he's had a cup RPA out of 99, sell so for 228,000. So a rookie shield 101, 181,800. And we'll have to see. Time will tell. But down the road, this could end up being a really smart. Yeah. Run. Yeah. I don't know. Would you? You know, all things being equal, if I said I'm going to give you a cup RPA out of 99, like PSA 10 or this card, which one would you want? You know, as a, as a long term, you have to keep it for 10 years. See, I can't. I do not like this card. Really? I don't like anything about it. I think the colors are ugly. I just I do not like it. I don't like the brown. I don't like the blue. I just I do not like this card. So I'll take the cup RPA just personally so I can display oh, wow. that one and not get and not get mad at it. That's crazy because I really like the card. So, uh, huh, surprising me a lot. But hey, 
All right, number one goes to Ovi, 2005-6, the Cup RPA and a 99 PSA 10. Just nudged out McDavid for the top spot yeah. by 600 bucks. Oh, that's kind of crazy. Selling for 182400 back in June. This is the highest selling Ovi card of all time. Yeah. I think like the next high selling is just over 100000 so by a lot. Wow. Right? By 80% or something like that. Probably somebody <laughs> sold over the summer. Yeah. You would have told them he'd have eight goals right now. I wonder if that would have adjusted their bid. But <laughs> awesome card. PSA 10. Great pad. Yep. It's got the little grab on the pad, the little that you love. That yep. get, the string. Flares up my OCD. <laughs> so given where the market's at, I'm going to be very curious this year to see like what the what this looks like or this list looks like a year from today. Well, you the, think we'll I'll see tell a you card? what, if the Bedard 101 gets hit, I think that's your number one. Yeah, it could be. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. But. What's it been about three years or so since one of the Gretzky PSA 10s has sold to? Mm-hmm. I wonder when we'll see one of those come back and, and what it would go for now. Yeah, would an OPG yeah. still be $4 million? I oh, feel like I, I doubt it. I doubt it, too. But it's always fun to look at these sales. And congrats to the sellers and buyers. Okay, Troy, I got to make a quick mention for Gonshaw Partner Sponsor Slab Sharks. Of course, we're very grateful to them for their support. The first Slab Sharks weekly eBay auction of 2024 kicks off this week. Cannot wait to see what cards are in it. I've just got a feeling it's going to be a monster. <laughs> There's still some pretty good cards, though, ending tonight in their off-week auctions that have been yep. pretty amazing all throughout the last three weeks. Huge card, too, that we've been talking about. The 2021 OPG Platinum Cold Caulfield Rookie Auto Golden Treasures 101. And a tag 8.5 slab that ends tonight. Be fascinated to see what that one goes for. I need to know what that's. Is it? Do you know what it's being at? Or what, sorry, do you know what it's at right now? Last time I checked, it was like four thousand Canadian. I want to say, and remember that's sold for raw twelve thousand, like five hundred US on the fourth of July. Yeah, I'm gonna try to look it up while you're talking real quick. He's had a little bit of a mediocre year. Well, I, I would say a lot, a lot of bit of a mediocre year. So I don't know if that factors into it at all. And, you know, maybe if the, the Cole Caulfield shine might be rubbing off a little bit, but looks nice on the tag slab there. It does look really nice. Right now it's at $2,290.74 US. That's a $10,000 discount from this. I, I can't believe that. I, I, it's going to jump. It's going to jump big. Yeah. So that'll be a really fun one to watch. Lots of other good cards, too. So, again, be sure to lapse or log on to slapsharks.com for a link to the auction and uh, heck, heck, get a good deal on a Cole Caulfield 101 <laughs> Platinum Rookie Auto. If you're a Canadian hockey cards collector and are not using Slab Sharks for eBay consignment, we'd strongly recommend them as a great option to sell your cards hassle free. You just ship them your cards, drop them off, and they do the rest. Your cards also get included in their very, very, very popular weekly auctions. Get tons of eyeballs from both US and Canadian collectors. Yeah, they take care of shipping to U.S. buyers, too, exposing your cards to the most collectors possible. Plus, we keep mentioning like their insane Connor Bedard promo where they're doing a 98% payout yep. rates through June 2024. And I, I feel like I haven't spelled that out yet. And doing this kind of really crystallized it to me. So, Troy, you, you have two options when it comes to eBay and your Connor Bedard cards. Yep. You can sell the card yourself. You can do all the work, try to take the photos, do the listing answer a bunch of questions, hope they pay, figure out how to <laughs> ship internationally at bats. And do you do insurance? How do you get it there? Worry about everything. Oh, and then you pay a 13% fee yeah. or so, right? 
Your other option is send it to Slap Sharks. They do all the work, and then you pay a two percent fee. Option now, two. You're not. <laughs> we're not Joe Juno. No, right. We're not that smart, but I'm definitely going with option two on this one. Yeah. So, and I part of me wonders, like, if they if these guys know what they've gotten themselves into. Like, once the <laughs> Young Guns comes out, is the weekly auction going to have like nine hundred hundred yard Young Guns? Because why yeah, the heck yeah. would you sell it on eBay? <laughs> Yeah. Any other way, it makes no sense, right? Nope. I, I guess great marketing move, and on, on their part, uh, they're going to see a lot of Connor Bedard cards in the next uh, six months. I can tell you that. So again, check out slapsharks.com for complete consignment info and to get started consigning with your cards with them today. Hobby news. All right, hobby news. Twenty twenty four Winter Classic, right? Did, did you watch the Winter Classic this year? I did. I watched some. I think I watched. Actually, I watched most of the game. I was driving home from. Family holiday up up in northern Minnesota. The the viruses were infesting my body. <laughs> I didn't know it. So what what did you think? Give me your thoughts. Was it fun? Was it cool? I, it was cool. I thought didn't it was, generally interest me that much. But yeah, I mean, Seattle dominated. I think what I my takeaway was now he's on my fantasy team because I had Grubauer and he got hurt. So I picked up Joey. Was it Decord? I think the goalie. Decord, the, Decord, yeah. And he played fantastic. He looked really good. So that was yeah, one we'll of my things. That. Yeah, well, that was one of my big takeaways. I think they did a fantastic job on just the setup, making it feel like Seattle, the pier. Like when you're watching on TV, you can see like the docks kind of in the background. Yeah. Some of the, the stuff they put in to show that Seattle. I thought the game was great. I think it seemed like Vegas didn't get used to the ice. They look slow. I'm sure the ice wasn't what they're used to being outdoors in Seattle. I don't know what that actually, I don't even know what the temperature was, but I got to believe it was maybe 40 ish or something. I don't know. But yeah. The did you watch uh, our guy Maddie Beneers at all? Do you have a scouting report? I saw him miss a goal. Or was he mm-hmm. the one who made the pass? I can't remember. He had, he had one nice play, but it didn't end up scoring. Well, Troy, if nothing else, the Winter Classic proved that good karma. <laughs> Comes to those who promote yes. sports cards. Yeah. Star of the game, first star of the game, Joey Decord, he mentioned. Yeah. Remember, he had that special helmet painted for the Winter Classic. They were T Mobile Park where the Mariners played. So his helmet was an homage to the players who play at that park, right? A baseball cards yep. with both retired Mariners legends like Ichiro and Griffey Jr., Edgar Martinez, and then current stars as well, like Julio Rodriguez, etc. Only a 35 save shutout. Yeah, and then you said it was really impressive. Shout out too. Yeah, I thought he did fantastic. He was looking really good. I mean, he made some huge saves. I was kind of curious. Well, if huge game, huge spotlight. If we'd see like a little hobby jump for him, not really. Yeah, 20, I, 20 young guns, about five six dollars raw. I, I just think enough people don't know who he is. He's still fairly new to taking over the starting position since. Uh, Philip Grubauer, I don't know, is it Grubauer, Grubauer? I can't remember his name. Grubauer, hurt. yeah. So we'll see if I mean if he, you never know. This is one of those weird situations where what do you do if he plays out of his mind, Joey Decord, and now Grubauer comes back, and then you get that little, what do you do? Do yeah. you play, run with the guy that's hot? I would, but that's me. And now you tick off your main starter, and oh, I love it. I love the drama. <laughs> Overall. 47,313 fans attended. Looked like a packed house. Yeah. Can't find any TV rating info yet. Okay. Makes me think it wasn't maybe super because they'll usually pump those ratings if they're yeah. really good, like instantly. But we'll have to see. 
So some of the highlights that I found included fish being thrown over the heads of Seattle players making their way onto the ice. Did you see was that? It real, was it real fish? I didn't. I, I didn't so. ever. This to me was awesome and stupid at the same time. <laughs> like the part of me thought it was the dumbest thing ever, but I was loving it too. As they're just because I was hoping one of them would slip and just crack one of the players in their head. This fish and there to be this perfect picture of a fish slapping a guy over the face. If uh, is it Monty Python has a skit where they do the fish yeah. slapping <laughs> a neck injury because being hit in the head with a yeah, fish. Yeah, okay, awesome. lawsuit probably. Equally as awesome, the Golden Knights players <laughs> arrived in the stadium all dressed up as Elvis impersonators. Love this. This Just is love it. This is great. And then I also saw we don't we don't have it here, but there's a picture. I think it was when the Kraken were walking out. The fl- there was like flames shooting out and everything. Yeah. Of course, one of them looks like it's coming from the rear end of one of the players. And, of course, the <laughs> meme started immediately that say, me after Taco Bell and all this stuff. There we'll you just go. leave it at that. But that was kind of funny, too. You know, there's one guy on the team that was like a party pooper. It would have been me because I hate Halloween. <laughs> I'm not dressing up as Elvis. No way. I'm not doing it. But it sounds like they had good participation yeah. there. And I think you can say what you want about maybe the teams, right? It's the newest teams in the NHL. Yeah. Not the biggest fan bases, of course, but and I, well, I should say I kind of had maybe a little bit of that mentality. Didn't have a lot of interest in the game. And then as we were researching for the show, I found an article in the Las Vegas Review Journal that talked about since the Kraken and the Golden Knights started, like since their inaugural, their inaugural seasons, the youth hockey numbers in those states have exploded. Yep. Like exploded, like 10x, right? And, and that is awesome to me. And that, that makes me feel really good about how, yeah, it's a little bit of investment. Of course, you have to make in these markets that are not traditionally hockey markets when you bring teams to them. Yeah. But just how important it is to having a team in these yeah. bigger markets to grow the game of hockey. I just yeah, thought that was really well, cool. yeah, and it's the teams also that just pump money into the whole youth hockey market. I know in Nashville, I think the Predators built. At least one rink in Nashville. They might have built another one, but these these organizations put a ton of money in. And just remember, we have Austin Matthews basically because the Arizona Coyotes or the Phoenix Coyotes were created. Yeah. Well, along those lines too, I was telling you when we were talking uh, when I was up north. My brother coaches my nephews, and they're real young, like eight and five years old. So they're in like mini mites or whatever it's called. Yeah. And when they play games or practice, they play, you know, they usually put half the kids on one half of the ice yeah. and half the kids in the other half to be more efficient with the ice. And they had these really cool dividers that yeah. are portable that kind of made two rinks out of one, yeah. one sheet. And I was asking, I was like, well, where did you get those dividers? Cause they click together and then they would, they put them together. And they're, hard. they're basically like hockey boards that just yeah, right boards. down the red line is what they are. And he said the Minnesota wild, Gave every association yeah. in the state of Minnesota those boards. Yep. How cool is? I mean, that yeah, yeah. we're the state of hockey. We've got a lot of youth hockey players here. Yeah, there uh, are. We the biggest in the nation as far as yes, we're the biggest youth hockey association for USA hockey in the United States. In fact, I think Edina's so big that they would be number three by themselves in the U.S. If you really? just took yeah, we're uh we're pretty big, but. It's expected. Cake eaters. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Getting back to Winter Classic real quick. Next year's matchup 
has not been announced or location. You want to bet dollars to donuts? It's going to be in Chicago. It's got to be. It's got to be Chicago. I didn't look this up, but when was the last? I'm assuming it's been in Chicago before. With Kane, probably, but yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But I think it'd be a good bet to put Mr. Connor Bedard in the spotlight for the Winter Classic. Now, who do you match him up with? Like the Rangers or something like that? Or is it always oh, what, U- is it always U.S. teams in the Winter Classic? Great question. I'm not sure because I know Canada they have the Heritage Classic, but what about yeah. Chicago, Detroit, and hopefully Kane still with Detroit? I think that could oh, have yeah. some <laughs> cool stuff and two original six teams. That'd be cool. Soldier Field is that where you're going? Is that where you're putting it? Actually, I'm, I'm going to amend my bet. If it's not in Chicago, the away team is going to be Chicago. <laughs> okay. Getting back to data in December a little bit, uh, Gemrate released their yep. December grading uh, report. I want to look at that real quick because there's some kind of interesting things on there. First of all, like we always do, is we'll look at the just the overall uh, sports card cards that were graded for the month of December. If you look at it, PSA led the way again, a 635,000 cards graded, 11% growth over November, and then also 3% growth year over year. So a lot of cards graded in the month mm-hmm. of December. SGC again solidly number two, hundred ten thousand sports cards graded, seven yep. percent month over month, fifty one percent year over year. I think that has a lot to do probably with their like nine dollars specials that they do yep. with like Bowman and stuff like that. Yeah, they're sacrificing revenue for, or probably sacrificing margin market for share. market share. Which they, I, I give them credit. They have seems like they've hit everything right so far. So do you think like as far as because the value of a slab, any great is a is perceptive value, right? Yeah. There's really nothing that because the grades we know are not consistent. Look at the no McDavid Young Guns yeah. High Gloss we looked at, right? Yep. Do you think that the most important thing, like for any company like SGC, to kind of maybe be a better competitor to PSA from on a value standpoint is to, is simply just to get more cards into the marketplace? I think, well, for now it seems yes. And it's working. I just, again, I'm just not a grader and it just, I'm becoming one of those guys. Now, if I get graded cards, I just want to crack them and (laughs) have them raw. I don't even want them in the slab anymore. Beckett comes in third, 29,000 cards graded less than 5% of what PSA grades now a month is Beckett. Wow. That's nuts. At least they're up year over year. I guess that's good. Yeah. Down. From November, 10%, but up 12% year over year. And then CGC, Troy, what's going on? I mean, 6,000 cards graded. What Less than 1% of PSA's total sports cards. I'm sure they had a ton of... I I didn't include like the TCG stuff because it's not really relevant. That's where their bread and butter is, right? They're more into the magic, Pokemon, all that. But but are they just done with sports? Because down 72% since November and down 81% year over year. That's like alarming. Yeah, I don't know. I I rarely CGC. I think of as comics when I think of them as graders. Okay, moving on to look at the grading breakdown by specific sports. Hockey per usual stays kind of at fourth behind baseball, football, and basketball. PSA graded thirty seven thousand hockey cards last month, up thirty eight percent from November. So that thirty seven thousand hockey cards graded represents about three percent of the total cards graded by PSA. So it's, it's definitely not a big part of their business. No. And that's just sports cards. 
SGC graded 2,500 hockey cards down about 9% from November and then back at 1,100 hockey cards down 47% from November. Shows you what missteps will, it continued missteps will <laughs> bury you. So they're in rebuild mode right now. And then getting back to the CGC irrelevancy, yeah. <laughs> 200 hockey cards graded last yeah. month down 83% from November. Yeah, look at there. Look at them in TCG, though. They're huge. Not as much as PSA, but yeah. No hockey players were in the top 10 most graded players by PSA in, in December. Hmm. But Troy, mm. two hockey cards were in the top 10 most graded cards um, for the month of <laughs> Well, and one of them's not really a card, right? Uh, of course, that's the one that's in there. With, yeah. But I was like, how's Bernard not in this somewhere, some way? And then, yep, there he is. Here's my sticker book. They're right here. Oh, nice. You got it. Yeah. Well, we're talking about the 2023 tops now NHL stickers. Connor Bedard, number one. Okay. Was what is that? The number five, the fifth most graded sports quote unquote yep. card, I guess, sticker. 1,000 were graded in the month of December. 83% overall gem rate on this. So wow. don't well, be paying a huge multiple for that yes. PSA 10 people. <laughs> You're going to find these all over the place. Just buy them raw, grade them yes. yourself, and save a whole bunch of money. Then coming in at number set or eight, still the 2021-22 Cole Caulfield Young Guns base. 700 total graded in the month of December. And this card has a 34% aggregate gem rate. So still a lot of Cole Caulfield cards. Yeah. Remember how long the Kaprizov Young Guns was on? Well, you do. Yep. Yeah, I was on there forever. Do you think the Connor Bedard Young Guns hits number one? I do. No, I, I don't know. Well, did Kaprizov okay, ever so, get... So, well, what was number one, right? It's the Panini Instant Draft Night, Victor Wembanyama. Yeah, I, I always think those other sports 5,400 so graded in a month. I don't even know who's coming out, though, for those sports. I don't follow basketball. I couldn't tell you anything. I know Wemby would be the big huge. <laughs> so remember that, 5,400 in a month, right? That's kind of a, a good barometer there for Bedard. Oh, I see what it's doing. Okay. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, no, no, 2,800. Sorry, that's 5,400 total. So 2,800 in one month. This is a really confusing report. This is the all-time high. Yeah. And this is what's the month of December is the middle one. Okay. They shouldn't show all-time first. No, I don't think so either. That's. Sorry for the confusion. there. Yeah, but yes, I'll agree with you. I think it will. All right. We got to talk about World Junior Championships. Oh, yeah. In progress, right? (laughs) Semifinals are set. Commence today, January 4th. So, Troy, what was your favorite 2024 Team Canada moment? So, I'll, I'll be honest. I didn't follow Team Canada, but I started reading a little bit, and it sounds like a lot of people were really down on how they constructed the roster. Really? It seems like they didn't put together a team to win. It was more individual skill guys. Okay. And it's been proved many times over. You got – I mean, these things are crazy. These I don't know exactly how it works on the boys' side, but, like, on the girls' side. Because we have three players from a high school team on the U18 Women's World Junior Championship team. They're in Switzerland right now. But they construct this team based off like a summer tryout. They might have a camp in October for five to six days. Then they go off to high school on the girls' side. Now they go over to Switzerland for a week of practice, and then they play. So they're not together that off or that much. And it's just one of those – It's they're really – It's I don't know. It's such a hard way to judge a team. It's more, it is more individual. You're looking at players, scouts, all that stuff. But yeah, Team Canada losing was definitely a shocker. 
Well, it's kind of like with USA basketball, right? We're expected to win every yeah. tournament in Canada hockey. I, I would assume is the same thing. So in a shocking turn of events, defending yep. champion Troy, Team Canada was bounced by Chechia in the quarterfinals, three to two. That was a rough goal at the end. Eleven seconds left. Yeah. Hits your D, redirects, goes off the post, and then in. It's just like, oh man, there's that's hard to come back from. <laughs> you gotta. I don't know if they had to call a timeout and try to figure out some crazy play, but that stinks. Macklin Celebrini finished with four goals, four, four assists, eight points in five games played. Pretty good tournament for the presumptive number one pick in the 2024 NHL entry draft. Did not register a point, though, in the quarterfinals loss. Uh, Got to be a lot of pressure on these kids, too. Oh. Uh, you know, comes with the territory, of course. But like I said, when you're wearing that Team Canada jersey, you're expected to uh, win every year. Not so much, Troy, though, for the program of mediocrity, <laughs> right? If Canada is a program of excellence, we're the program of mediocrity. <laughs> is Team USA now the favorite? I think we're the favorite coming in. We are we are stacked. We're loaded. But we'll see. You know, When's Upper Deck going to come out with Team USA juniors? I don't probably know where to buy it. But us. They'd sell we'd like one box to us. And <laughs> I, mean, I don't think they'd sell it all. But So Team USA takes on Finland today in one quarterfinal. Sweden and Chechia facing off in the other. Championship game will be Friday. Team USA's Cutter Gauthier now leads the tournament with 10 points, goal, and nine apples. So, really good tournament for him. So, I couldn't find me. It's a really dumb picture. <laughs> Just random uh, pictures. Hey, do a pose. I know it's an it's actual game, but... So, is that game, like, going on right now? Do I need to look it up and see what's happening? Um, no, we're breaking the fourth wall. It's it's the games that we're recording on Wednesday. Game oh, yeah. Duh. Uh, idiot. Yeah. I'm, I'm an idiot. I will say this, too. I don't know the whole context. I did not watch the whole game, but I saw the clip. If you saw the Sweden versus, I think it was Switzerland game, the penalty they called at the end of the, I think it might've been an overtime or at the very end of the game to go into overtime, it allowed Sweden to win on. They called the penalty on Switzerland might've been the worst penalty I've ever seen called. It was really? such a joke. I, I honestly think the ref should have been suspended. Maybe I totally missed what happened, but from everything I saw, and I know Spin Chick, let's put it out. A bunch of people tweeted it out. And like it was absolutely a farce. And and that just leads to people saying, Oh, they're just trying to get Sweden into the championship because that's where the championship's at. They're in Sweden right now. But it was from what I saw, that was a terrible, just a joke of a penalty call. I I don't know why that made me think of this. And this is like horrible time, but I'm gonna do it anyways. You gotta tell what happened at your kids' hockey tournament. Oh, <laughs> so my son was up at a tournament in Bemidji and this was not his team, but there was a Minnetonka where I coach high school. There was a Minnetonka peewee team playing against a Canadian team. And I guess what happened previously, there was like a scuffle. Kids ran into each other. A kid might've cheap shot at another with a check on the ice, whatever penalties called everyone's at their bench. And we have, and there's video of this. All of a sudden, you see one of the Canadian coaches look at one of their players. And if you're watching YouTube, he gives like this quick slash sign. Dead stoppage play. Teams are at their bench. Canadian kid skates over and just two hands one of the Tonka kids in the back of the leg and has to get carted off. The kid does. Then they have this parade of teams later. Cops show up and. <laughs> I don't know what happened then, but I'm assuming they're going to either make them pay for the medical bill or I don't know. But 
I heard rumors like they were going to charge him with a crime, and I'm like, okay, that's crazy. But you're in I mean, a foreign country with a, like a 13 year old kid. Yeah, and you it's know, brutal. It, like you sent us a video. The the, yeah. the Tonka kid is just he's got his back to the ice. He's standing at the boards on his bench, yeah. like like looking at the bench or talking to the coach. And the kid just skates up to him and just slashes the heck out of him, like tomahawks him. Oh yeah, and I, I will say this: stick. it's it was where it gets bad. It's that it's during a break. It's not heat of the moment, like what happens in games and shoving, like that stuff. I get. I think actually, what should happen is that coach should be gone. That's it. I guess the kids should know. I understand that, but I think it's more on the coach. Cause we've all been there. You're a young kid coach tells you to do something. You don't want to be the guy that doesn't listen, even if it's this. So I think that coach should be just gone forever, but oh, the who knows coach what should happens. Be charged. I mean, that's yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. That the coach. I don't know. It will be very interesting. I, I hope I, the, the tie in too is that one of the kids on that Minnetonka team, his sister is on our Minnetonka high school team. So I, oh. I got some of like the background information on that. Interesting. Stuff, yeah. Pretty pretty crazy. All right, that was just too crazy of a story. <laughs> well, welcome to, to youth hockey. <laughs> like you said, adults completely yep. ruin youth sports. Yep. So, just one more example. Okay, getting back to World Junior Championships, another tournament. It'll be a lot of fun for us to win it this year. Yeah. So Team USA has won this tournament five times. Last time being in 2021, and this Troy just made me think of you, and I laughed so hard when I saw it because <laughs> you've been talking about just how. I'm putting this diplomatically, how goofy the IIHF is. Yes. I was looking up some background info on Team USA. Here's our our all-time record for Team USA. (laughs) Uh, This is not a joke. This is like 100% legitimate. The record is 156 and 11 and 6 and 114 and 11. Yep. What the heck? There's four (laughs) dashes and six separate numbers in our record. So if you need a secret decoder, it's wins, overtime wins, overtime <laughs> losses, losses, and ties. Yeah. Can we can we get back in sports where it's just wins <laughs> and losses? What what's, what was so wrong with that model? Oh, they just you win or you lose out points, and they just they want to make it more interesting. I mean, that's that's the whole reason they do it. But yeah, that's ridiculous. I don't start me again. I I have so many issues with the IIHF that whatever 115 11 6 114 and 11 <laughs> that's like morse code that's not like a team's record that just blows my mind i didn't realize we had that many losses i guess we were probably pretty bad in the program of mediocrity trying <laughs> we are having mediocrity now yeah. all right time to get into the meat of the episode all right here it is hold on hold on youtube viewers you're in for a treat here you go <laughs> <laughs> you like that love it love it <laughs> Uh, it's like the greatest thing ever. <laughs> so I, I, I've been hearing rumblings of this, and by this I mean, could Austin Matthews ultimately own the goals record? It's been all yeah. Gretzky, all Ovi, and if you do a little bit of digging, you're starting to see articles. I think Spit and Chicklets had mentioned this, and so I'm like, it just never crossed my mind. And I'm like, okay, I, I want to kind of try to break this down and see if these people are onto something or they're on something. what you have to do though when looking into this right off the bat yeah is acknowledge that he's seven years into his career he's 26 years old now so many things would have to align for him to ultimately do it that this record 
as much as being an awesome goal scoring or goal goal scorer is really a longevity record. Yeah. It's the ability to produce at a high level for a very long time, like 20 to 22 years. Probably it really takes once you kind of understand the numbers to get to somewhere approaching 900 career goals. And then if you want to be kind of like glib, you can say, well, thank God for Matthews that it only counts regular season goals because <laughs> Maple Leafs don't haven't had a lot of postseason success yet. He won't get a lot of games. The other thing that I, that I can just imagine is, and I, I, I guess had put this later on in our discussion, but maybe I want to bring it up now, is I feel like he's more of a controversial player to even have this like more of a lightning rod type guy. Yeah. Where, where McDavid is more universally loved. Ovi. I don't think too many people dislike Ovi. You may not prefer that he breaks Wayne Gretzky's gold record. And I don't know what it is about Matthews. Troy, is it the Maple Leafs thing? And that, you know, kind of like to me, the Maple Leafs are sort of like the Yankees of Canadian sports teams where yeah. if your team, you love them. If they're, it's not your team. Everyone it's very easy them. to root, like <laughs> evil empire kind of thing yep. to to root against. Uh, I don't know. Do you feel that way? Do you think that the like Matthews is a, a little more polarizing maybe than some of these other players? Oh, for sure. And I think it's probably part Toronto, part he's American, and I don't I don't think a lot of Canadians would like the NHL scoring record to be held by an American, to be honest. So I think it, it's kind of that kind of mix of things. But definitely the Toronto thing plays probably a bigger role, I think, than the American. The American's kind of just a fun rivalry kind of thing. But definitely yeah. you hear really polarizing thoughts on him and that he doesn't – He's what was it? Was it last year or two years ago the big thing on him was, oh, he's getting beat up and he's not even fighting back. He's just yeah. taking it, laughing, and just being – I don't know what the right word I'm looking for is – noncommittal or not not trying to retaliate or anything. So I think that kind of hurts his overall image, too. Yeah, I agree with you. And I get it, too. It's like, yeah. I'm sure a lot of Americans wouldn't love the all-time NBA scoring champion to be a, a Canadian player either, right? It's like, this is Canada sport. And they yeah. want... Now, I, I want to hear from some Canadians on this, too. Yeah, I'd be curious, too. because I, I think it's like a yeah. rivalry thing. Not like yeah. not like you're, <laughs> whatever, bigging it against Canadians or Americans. But it is like a, it's a fun debate and rivalry kind of situation. Well, there's two kind of interesting perspectives you could go along this uh, this vein, I guess. With is would Canadian would, would Toronto Maple Leafs fans take an American owning the goals record if he did it in a Maple Leafs scored every goal mm. as a Maple Leaf? Yeah. But good, then, good and I'm going to ask you this because you know we don't have a horse in the race, not being Canadian. But do you think? If Gretzky's not going to own the goals record, and it's going to be, it would the choice would be Ov a Russian or Matthews an American? What do you think the general sentiment of Canadians is to who they would prefer? Oh, owning the goals record, I don't. There's a lot of history between Russians and Canadians not getting along in hockey games, so I'm, I'm guessing probably American. At, okay. To me, at the end of the day, though, I don't, I don't really care who holds it if they're an awesome player, but. Yeah, if it was that question, American or, can, or Russian, I'm guessing they'd want an American, but let me know if I'm wrong. We have a lot of Canadian listeners. Okay, so to start understanding if it's possible for Austin Matthews to end up with a goals record, I think you have to start with Wayne Gretzky and kind yeah. of break down how he got to 894 
career uh, regular season goals. So Wayne Gretzky played 20 seasons in the NHL before retiring at age 38 in 1999. Over his 20-year career, Troy, he averaged 49.2 goals per season. In the 20 seasons played, he that totaled to 1,487 games. So he averaged about 74.4 games per season and about 0.6 goals per game. So one of the things that tells you is he did a really good job of staying healthy for a long to average 74.4 games a season. Yeah. is a lot. Well, he, I mean, he had a enforcer on every team. He was always protected. Sure. You go after him, you're going to get smushed by whoever McSorley or whoever was on his team. So yeah. And he wasn't a physical player. So that's good too. Next thing I did is I, because he played 20 years, is that you could really break his career into quadrants. And it's really fascinating when you do that. So you take him into five-year chunks, right? I want to go through that with you right now. So in his first five years, or his first quadrant, he had 356 goals, averaged 71.2 goals per season his first five years. In his second five years, it dropped to 281 goals, or 56.2 goals per season. Then in the second half of his career, you start to see a pretty big drop. Yep. 166 goals in his third five years, average of 33.2. And then in his last five years, he only scored 91 goals, an average of 18.2 goals per season. So when you, when you talk about the, the notion or the possibility of anyone beating Gretzky's goals records, it starts with really better or more consistent production at the tail end of their yep. careers. And when you look at modern medicine, better understanding of nutrition and diets, better ability to take care of their bodies, I think that that's where it comes from. Because nobody's going to, I don't see, I shouldn't say nobody, you never know how the game's going to change. But 356 goals in five years is insane. I mean, that is, it's going to be tough to have a better start than Wayne Gretzky had. But, you know, can you have a better second 10 year of your career i think that's and and when we get into ovi that's kind of how he's really approached to that record yeah i was oh you you mentioned it okay i'm not gonna i just looked up ovi's last five years and it's pretty yeah. amazing how much better it is than gretzky's last five Ovi's still playing but okay so yeah let's talk about ovi he's the closest still has a very realistic chance of Beating the, the Gretzky record. <laughs> as long as there's empty nets for Ovi to score on, he has always got a chance. And when we talk about Ovi too, we're not going to look at this year because yeah. I, it's just with him or or Matthews, right? Ovi is not having a great year. Matthews is having a great year, but a lot of hockey left. And you never know where these guys are going to end up. So I just wanted to look at completed seasons. So 2022-23 was Ovi's 18th NHL season. He's 38 years old now, and, and the big disadvantage that, and part of what will make it incredible to me if he breaks Gretzky's record, is he started his NHL career two years after Wayne Gretzky at basically age 20 versus age 18. Part of that was coming over from Russia in the KHL, and then the other part was, remember, technically his rookie year would have been the lockout year of 2004-2005. That's, that's a huge key right there, and I know it, you can't control this stuff. But boy, if Ovi didn't have to go through what a lockout and a was there a strike or two lockouts or whatever it is, boy, I think he's has he might the have the record now. He might have the record, and I think Gretzky might have went through one, maybe 
of those. So it it's what it is, but it's one of those big what ifs too. If he doesn't get the record, that'd be a huge what if. Well, Ovi has the COVID shortened season too. Yeah, and a COVID. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So there's a lot of just things outside of his control and outside yep. of his health that have cost him him games. Well, you know, he's still 38 years old, right? And and still talking along. So over his first 18 years, he had 822 goals. That's what he started the season with, which is an average of 45.7 goals per season. Now that's 3.5 goals per season less than Wayne Gretzky averaged over his 20 years. Ovi has averaged 76.8 games per season in his career. So again, just like Gretzky, by and yeah. large, he stayed pretty healthy. And he's a bigger, more physical, and, stronger Yeah, and he's guy. totally different. He goes out and throws his body all over the place. Now, looking at his career in quadrants, we have three completed quadrants, and then uh, the, the fourth one is yeah. only three years, of course, because he's played 18 years. In his first five years, he scored 269 goals, an average of 53.8 per season. So way less than Wayne Gretzky's mm-hmm. first five years. His second five years, 206 goals, 41.2 per season. He actually improved in his third five years, or um, third quadrant, whatever you want to call it, 231 goals, average of 46.2 per season. And then in the last three seasons, he scored 116 goals, averaging 38.7 goals. And I think this is what you were kind of hinting at a few minutes yeah. ago. Way more consistent. Yep. Doesn't have like that that five-year stretch of Gretzky and what <laughs> was stupidity it, like, goals, but <laughs> yeah, 356 goals, but uh, a lot more consistent. So again, if and then if you do want to factor in this year, he has eight goals in 35 games, a little bit of a hot streak. Uh, he plays tonight too. Mm-hmm. He, he might be playing right now. So who knows if, if he scored another one there, but, but as of right now, or he's 64 from tying Gretzky and 65 from owning the record, you know, and basically it's just going to take his, longevity to stay on the ice i think for and and how mentally set he is on owning this record Uh, you know if he's willing to play two more years or four more years whatever whatever it takes and 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 i think the biggest question you know when you look at ovechkin and you talk about maybe the, the the games missed because of lockout or covid the other thing you have to look at he's not like exactly tom brady and how he takes care of his body so i think that's the other kind of no, it's what makes him kind of fun and yeah. funny and the whole thing funny that he drinks Coca-Colas and eats spaghetti like, you know, <laughs> 12 minutes before the game or whatever he does. Uh, but 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 I mean, you have to think that that might be might be pain for that right now, yeah. too, with his eight goals. You never know. So that's how kind of Ovi has approached it. And yeah, like, you know, 64 goals from tying it, 65 from the record. Now that brings us to Austin Matthews. So he just finished the seventh year of his career. And at the end of the seven years, he's 25. He's 26 now. Like Gretzky Troy, Matthews does have the advantage of beginning his career at age 18. So that gives him a two-year head start on Ovechkin. So if you look at his first seven seasons, he has 299 goals, which is an average of 42.7 over those seven years. Now that's 6.5 less goals per season then Gretzky averaged in his career and three goals less than Ovechkin. So he's got some ground to make up. Now, when you think about that though, is it a talent thing? I don't think so in math. And this is kind of going to be the big point of discussion. I think in his first seven years, he's averaged 
68.7 games per season played. And this is where we see that big difference between Gretzky yep. and Ovechkin. He's averaged 8.1 games played less than Ovechkin uh, per season and 5.7 less than Gretzky. Now, here's where that the health thing really matters. And then I'll get your input after this. When you look at goals per game, he's ahead of both of them. Yeah. But barely, just barely. It's 0. Mm-hmm. 0.62 goals per game compared to Ovi's 0.61 and Gretzky at 0. 0.60. And of course, Gretzky did it over 20 years. Matthews yeah. has done it over seven. I, I get all that. But 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 when you talk about can Matthews get to somewhere around 900 goals when it's all said and done, it's just the health thing, right? I mean, that's like the 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 biggest factor in my mind. Is it the biggest factor in your mind? For sure, it's health. And it's also there to me, I keep thinking about today's game. Players are better than they've ever been. We know this. Obviously, Matthews has been is better, but also the defenses are getting better, except for the goalies. They seem to just be falling off a cliff. So maybe that, that might help yeah. uh Matthews, but and it there's more per what's the word I'm looking for? Propensity to shut players Propensity. down. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of the health thing, right? But they're a lot more proactive in today's game and all that's going to work against him where that risk yeah, injury, it, it you, is. You, you might play through it the whole time and not take a day off here or a couple days off to f- try to fix it or get right but you never know like your genetics yeah your, your luck i think gets involved a lot sure, in luck's injuries involved. right hockey's 40 percent luck if you look at the analytics your ability to tolerate pain and kind of push it aside but the one advantage he does have, I guess, in the health perspective, even though he hasn't been able to play as many games per season, is in for what the first five years of Gretzky's career, dudes were like smoking, smoking the, in the locker room, in the locker room, right? Mario Lemieux uh, smoked. I mean, we know yeah, that Mario Lemieux smoked. Uh, Ovi's like you know, um, like munching down fettuccine Alfredo, <laughs> right? And then here you have Austin Matthews. Yeah, if you look into it. They said at 21, like when he started his career, he was kind of a little bit of maybe on the pudgier side. He didn't really, yeah. re- but he, he hired a trainer. He really embraced nutrition and he's been kind of like a gym rat, I think, and really focuses on his body. And that really matters. I mean, look at Tom Brady, of course, who we, you know most people point to how long he was able to play yeah. at a very high level. And then this year, what LeBron's doing at 39 years old. And yeah. if you watch basketball and, have whatever, have whatever opinion you have of LeBron, but how fast he is, how strong he is, how athletic he is at 39 years old. And he's legendary for, they, they say he spends like what, two, $3 million a year on recovery Jeez. to kind of keep that, you know, ice baths, cryogenic chambers. Um, what those like, what are they? The, cryo the leg, sleeping yeah, the, things, yeah, yeah. The leg compression things leg or whatever they use. If Matthews really wants to, you know, had a goal to be the all-time goals record, there's a lot of advancement in nutrition and recovery and taking care of your body that could definitely aid him in, in getting there. But but let's keep breaking down his chances. So at 299 goals after seven seasons and finishing last season at 25 years old, boy, if he played until 40 and averaged 40 goals a season over the next 15 years, that would put him at 899 career goals. And in the realm of what either the record will still be if Ovi doesn't get there, yeah. or I, I don't know what, you know, who knows if Ovi will play for 
eight more years and end up with <laughs> 950. I, I really doubt that. I kind of think he would get there and be done. Yeah. That's just my gut feeling on it, but what do I know? So it's not inconceivable for him to play at 50. You know, he might have, and again, it's averaging 40 goals. It's not that he's going to yeah. get 40 goals at 40, but if yeah. he scores 70 this year, that by that lets you have, you know, 25 goals when you're 40 and kind of, you, you know, still be in the realm of averaging out through the last 15 years. And then I think, too, just thinking about, maybe Matthews are starting to think about him from a historical sense. Even if he doesn't get the record, there's only been 20 players in NHL history who have scored 600 goals. Mm -hmm. There's eight players who've scored 700 and then now three with 800 and Gretzky, Ovechkin and Gordie Howe. You'd have to think that if Matthews is able to play as long as guys play that, I mean, you know, 600 goals would be probably pretty likely at this point. And so, you know, he's definitely tracking to be one of the best goal scorers ever in the history of the game. And, you know, basically a third of the way into his career. Now, he could have a major injury, God forbid, or something like that. And nope. this could all be for nothing. <laughs> no, I like it will be like tomorrow. And be like, yeah. <laughs> right. We need to record another show. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Well, what, what do you think on the, on the on the overall? What do you think the likelihood? It's pretty hard to project after. Yeah, seven years of ultimately what needs to be a 20 year run. But to me, I just I don't see I I want I want the record to be broken. I think it'd be just the best thing ever. Just for me, it's really hard to see it being broken with the what what has to happen for Matthews to get there and even Ovi. It I just I don't think it's gonna happen, but I want it to happen. Like I said with Ovi, every every day that goes by where he doesn't get a goal, it just drops like a fraction of a percent of it happening. Matthews, I just I don't know if you can keep that pace up until age forty or average. What is it, forty goals? Oh yeah, it's tough. Yeah, yeah it's that's, so that's a tough. Long, long time. But I've been wrong before. I just I just can't. I just everything in this league is so. And with analytics coming out around defense and everything, and but sure. he's defied it right now. Let's just be honest; he's been playing fantastic. Yeah, you can't predict how the game's going to change either over the next fourteen, fifteen years, which I, is what he would need. <laughs> the stuff now, they're starting to do with AI is going to get freaky for sports. Will, be, will they be implanted with you know neural? I mean, they have uh, they all wear little uh, what do they call them? monitors. Like you've seen our soccer oh. players when they take their jersey off, yeah. they all have like sports bras on basically, and they have little monitors. Yeah. Um, but hockey players wear those too. Well, that's a, the whole Jake Middleton thing from the Wild, right? He wears the polar yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we're a hockey card show, so so now let's look at the hobby perspective a little bit. Now, you might be listening to this or watching this and thinking, well, what about Connor McDavid? You could do a similar exercise for McDavid, but yeah. if you go and look at McDavid's first like three, four years, he yeah. his goal production was not. He's behind. I'm not saying he's uh, a worse hockey player. He's a better hockey player in total, all around player yeah. than Austin Matthews. But he he's not the, quite the goal scorer. He get more assists. Matthews has been. Yeah, he, he, he gets more, more assists. assists. Yep. So it, he would have to really amp up the goals for a very long time to now maybe you might think he could stay healthier longer mm-hmm. sure you could buy all those arguments what's interesting to me though about comparing mcdavid to matthews is so when we think of like the current players that are the hobby elite 
sort of the reflexive nature is to think about Ovechkin, Crosby, McDavid, and then Matthews, right? And Matthews is like looking at like values. Yeah. Is by far the lowest value guy. Yep. And so it made me think, well, we talk about all the time. It's like, well, the hobby rewards goal scores is the gap in hobby values between Matthews and McDavid kind of bigger than maybe it should be. You think it should be, or I mean, it is what it is, but no, maybe a better way to put it is, could there be more, maybe long-term upside for Austin Matthews than Connor McDavid? Cause I'll just give a really quick example. You could find a thousand of these really easily. Look at Matthews cup RP at a 99 It's 2016. Uh, I just found a common grade, a, a BGS nine. It sold for 13. Last day it was 13,000 in June. Last day of a 2015 McDavid <laughs> Cup RPA on a 99 BGS nine, 72,000. So it's like, that's a huge gap. Yes. Right. Again, I'm not saying Matthews is as good a player as McDavid, but is he that much? I, I don't know. We're, I don't know the way to kind of, compare them or the, the the best language to use but i don't know i i think that maybe he could be undervalued given the context of again going back to whether he gets the goals record or not the likelihood he scores six or seven or 800 goals is pretty feasible at this it's point in the realm of possibility yeah and if you're banking on you know you're always projecting with anyone who isn't yeah. retired you know when you you're you're betting more on just the general market when you in, if you're going to say quote unquote like invest in a Wayne Gretzky or Bobby Orr with whether you're buying McDavid or even Crosby or Ovechkin you're still kind of banking a little bit that they're going to continue to add to their legacy through you know the rest of whatever however long their career might be so I don't know, I just thought it was really interesting I hadn't thought of Matthews in that realm before mm-hmm. and honestly in kind of breaking down the numbers. And he's not like my favorite player personally. I don't know why, but he, uh, I, I did get a, I think a better appreci- appreciation for him. Yeah. I will say he's probably not my favorite player. Cause we never just, I, we never get to see him. Their Toronto's never on in, in the U S like on the national games of the week. I can go watch it on ESPN plus if I make the effort, but you know what a big hockey card bummer of his is too. And I probably mentioned this before and I'm conflicted when I say this because I love the Maple Leafs Jersey. Yeah, I love like two color jerseys like this, but we're so conditioned, especially with RPAs, three color patch. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yep. right, not possible with the Maple Leafs patches, unless like very specific to like the intricacy of the 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 leaf. What about itself. the green and white ones? Are those only two? Are those only green and white? Like yeah, I'm trying to think of two. any of these special jerseys or anything. Like you look at a lot of his cup RPAs, and honestly, the patches are a little boring, boring which is weird yeah. again because I love the I love the the uniforms of the Maple Leafs. It just doesn't translate to patches, yeah, as well as the oil drop yeah. does for the the Edmonton Oilers, right? So, True, yeah, awesome. Okay, good discussion. Yeah, it was fun. We're gonna move on to new product releases. So a big milestone as far as twenty twenty two twenty three ice coming out on. January 12th is, of course, the checklist being released from Upper Deck, which was done, I think, yesterday. So on yep. Tuesday of this week. So we're going to run through some of the highlights within the checklist and car- and some of the card designs as well. 3,678 unique cards on the checklist this year. So and that's kind of the range we typically see is yep. what? Low 3,000s to 5,000s yep. is the kind of the range there. Yep. 
probably the key cards of the set, what, what Ice is most known for are the Ice Premier's rookie acetate cards. So they come in tiers or levels. They call them levels. Level five is 1,299. So that would be like your lesser known rookies. Mm-hmm. Guys like probably like Jonathan Dolan in 2021, who <laughs> rookies still come out and haven't played in the NHL in years, right? Then level four out of 999, level three out of 499, level two out of 249. And then kind of the, the key rookies, sort of like with the cup, are out of 99. So one of the things because of that, when the checklist comes out right away, you gravitate to, okay, yeah. which rookies <laughs> got the out of 99 treatment, right? Which made that cut of that level one. So there's, I think, um, 10 total for 2022-23. If you're watching, Matt Boldy, of course, is one of them. In addition, though, you have Maddie Beneers, Owen Power, Matthias Michelli, Kent Johnson, Wyatt John Stun, Andre Kuzmenko, Yuraj Slavkovsky, Jake Sanderson, and Shane Wright. Man, they're still pumping Shane Wright. Well, that's I was that was the one that jumped out. I, the other ones I can uh, I can kind of see it, even though even you could you, from a high perspective like Slavkos, he hasn't played that well. Or I don't even I haven't looked recently if he's been after he got moved that first line. What's been going on there? But yeah, Shane Wright just still still pumping them. I so still the hope for Shane to, Wright. I still hope for Shane Wright. I haven't even checked in to see. It. We, we got to make a note of that to see how he's doing, <laughs> wherever he's playing. Um, yeah, wherever he's at. First thing I look at is who's on the 99 list. And then the yep. drama, right? I'm like, well, Stubbs. who got snubbed, right? And who's on the 249 list that you should, that you could say, hmm, maybe deserves now. Because remember, these sets are made so long ago. Yes. That now, like, hmm, I think should be a 99. Well, Marco Rossi, aren't I? There's no out of 99 ice premieres for Marco Rossi. Best you're going to get is out of 249. There's nine total rookies. I came up with maybe four guys that you could... Marco Rossi is, I think, the for sure one. Maybe you would have said Lucas Reichel coming into this year, but uh, he might yeah, be not all ninety nine yeah. now. They probably got uh, that right. <laughs> the Quinn family stepbrother Jack Quinn yep. slighted by Upper Deck, and then Brant Clark. A lot of people, yeah, kind of like him, but yep. he he might still be in the AHL. So, so here's where I have a little bit of a kind of a gripe. I don't have gripes are. So you've got this like very nice clean system like levels, right? For the ice premieres. Yep. Level five, all the way down to level one without a 99. Now they, they've introduced this like colored parallel system on top of this. So there's green on a 599, red on a 299, gold on a 99, and black 101. So I guess it is conceivable that you could get a Marco Rossi gold on a 99 parallel, even though his base ice premieres is out of 249. Is that really necessary? Doesn't that, I mean, this is oh such a, gosh. like the, the ice premieres out of 99 is supposed to be like a really iconic yeah. and special card. And you've just like confused the whole thing. Yeah. This is getting into that whole discussion. We had, I think a year ago or something where we said like the junk, junk short print error or something where the junk serial numbered errors. Yeah. The manufacturer scarcity, this might be taking it one step too far. I think. Yeah. I really wish that they would have maybe done without that. Then you, you do have auto parallel, which I'm fine. I'm fine with the auto. Like it's distinct. It's different, right? Here's what was kind of funny to me too. Is so the, the tiers for the ice premieres are labeled as levels. 
the tiers for the autos are not <laughs> levels. They're labeled tiers. as tiers. What's the difference? There's <laughs> probably the difference. We just don't know it. But so again, yeah. so and then the other thing too is that like level five is like the worst rookies, the highest number. Tier one is the highest numbered worst rookies, and yeah. then tier four is the lowest. Uh, it, it, I think like I mean. I, Maybe got their wires crossed or cardboard. Somebody did, right? Yeah. So maybe, tier one's yeah. rookies out of one ninety nine for autos. Tier two out of ninety nine. Tier three out of forty nine. And tier four out of twenty five. Another big card in the set, and what I'm actually becoming a pretty big fan of are, and just in general, these acetate patch autos, like Rick, Ricky patch autos. Mm-hmm. So there are Ice Premier auto patch cards. They have to call them twenty seven rookies on the checklist. They're out of ten. All the big rookies you'd expect plus a couple of lesser known ones of course there is a one-on-one parallel as well should mention too that um yeah so i don't know those are good do you like these cards i'm just i'm not digging the ice design this year i used to it looks so busy but too busy it, it fits the theme i don't don't get me wrong it fits the theme for sure with ice i just something about it's not i like the patch obviously on this card but and i i do like there's like a big auto area and everything but I don't know. Something about these cards isn't speaking to me yet. Okay. Okay. Did skip a little bit ahead too. So I'm going to back up a tiny bit and go to the base. Should mention there's, you know, base and tons of base parallels too. The base in the set is a hundred players. I think the base is all that snow legends. And then there's 50 base rookies. So it's one of these, um, you know, we we like sets that have 50 base rookies. And so I think that's a good thing. Like I said, there's a million base parallels, some with colors, some with serial numbers, very akin to almost artifacts yeah. in that regard as well. One of the kind of parallels, too, is a rookie white snowflake auto. Do you like this? Digging this one. Digging this one. It's for a sticker auto. It's pretty yeah. good. Um, then uh, looking at inserts real quick, a cool one in ice that's unique to ice, of course, are the frozen in ice rip cards. You a fan of rip cards? Love rip cards. You always rip. Don't ever not. You're rip. a rip. Always rip. You always rip. Okay, always rip. <laughs> what you get are the mini ice premieres when you rip in them. It's a mix of rookies and vets and rip cards. There is a there's a base card. I think. What are the? Oh, shoot, I didn't put the odds. But there are um, gold parallels out of twenty five and black parallels out of five. So I'm assuming this is a black one. Yeah. Uh, we're looking at like a McDavid one on YouTube. Back again are the die cut ice crystals. You know, this is kind of like your more common insert. One in five pack odds for hobby. Yeah. There's a frigid out of 99 parallel and a neon, which I think this is the one we're looking at out of 10 parallel. Another insert that's uh, back is sub zero. It's got vets and rookies uh, on the checklist. That's our one in 21 hobby packs. There's gold out of eight parallels. Rookies, our base are either out of 999 or 599, and there's gold out of 24 parallels. I kind of don't get the difference between this card and ice premieres. Yeah. But I don't know. It's kind of cool. Yeah. It's this, cleaner this is than I ice premieres. See. Yeah. This is one I want to see in hand more than anything. Yeah. And then just really quickly, like um, looking at like other autos or relics category, Glacial Glav. Glacial graphs is when you see now these are auto cards on acetate. And I kind of like where they kind of use those paint pens typically. What do you think the graph acetate. is? What's the graph? The graph is the autograph. Oh, <laughs> okay. 
Sorry, you've been Sorry living in Pablo <laughs> professionally too much. You know what? I'm gonna say I'm gonna show you something. So I, this card looks great, looks fine. I I like what you're saying about the paint or how the the auto pen is or the pen they use is a little different. What I really like about this, I still don't like the upper deck logo being in that total color that doesn't match the card. Yeah, but they actually did the ice logo. I like in the black. Whereas you go back to, where was it? Like this card bugs me. Because of this upper deck logo yeah. here and this ice, I'm looking at the ice crystals card for people that aren't watching on YouTube. I like when they, you know, take all the elements of the card and match it in. I still don't like the upper deck logo with the coloring. I'm fine with the upper deck logo. I just wish they would blend the color. You want it to blend it into the background. Yeah, I don't know if there's some whatever. They all have their brand guidelines on how this stuff's supposed to work. Yeah. So you will get a few retired. There's not a lot of like retired legends and. In yeah, which, ice, like I don't, I don't think there's any Gretzky, which is a good thing because we've talked about yes, that before. It's like that's what I was gonna much. say. Yeah, there are a few retired players though for this card, the Glacial Graphs Acetate okay. Autos, but they're guys like Adam Graves, Den- Denny Potvin, Heater, Danny yep. Heatley, Yari Curry. Right. So overall yeah. odds for for the base autos of Glacial Glass are one in two hundred eighty eight packs. Each player though does have individual odds, so I think like okay. Vasilevsky was like one of the ones that had the highest odds. Yeah, it's there is also a prime black parallel that are numbered out of 50, 25. Okay. okay. That's good. I mean, I love legend stuff, but hey, every set doesn't need them. You gotta invent sometime, say no. Mm. Now, a huge part of the ice chase, especially lately, is the exquisite cards that are in ice. And the big one is the 0304 tribute RPAs. Where here is we're looking at is it it's Matthias Michelli for the Arizona Coyotes, yeah. uh, just awesome cards. And again, it comes if you're going to criticize this, it's like how, how many times do we go to the well on the 0304 kind of LeBron style RPA? But these are pretty odd. We pulled the Alex Newhook last year yeah. out of our box. Still have it. Still he had a good first week and it's kind of or two and has fallen off since then, but. You know, again, the, probably the huge hits, and you do get that extra chase in ice, which is pretty cool. Now these come in at the base out of twenty five. There's gold out of five, then black one hundred one. There's seven rookies on this checklist. So these O three or four exquisite RPAs. It's Maddie Beneers, Dylan Holloway, which is like meh, Slavkovsky, Boldy Rossi, Troy Marco Rossi. That. that would be an awesome one. Owen Power, and then of course Shane Wright. There's also exquisite material signatures where vets and legend autos that are all individually numbered, like McDavid's out of 10, some are out of more. There's exquisite rookie signatures out of 99 that have all the key rookies. There's a gold out of 25, a black 101. Then there's 09, 010 exquisite rookie autos. Same seven play rookies as the RPA checklist for 0304. The base are out of 49. There's a gold out of 10, black out of 101 parallels. Like with any set now, we'll see there's a number of update cards from 2021, 20 or 2020, 21. No, no, 2021, 22. Sorry. For both Ice and Exquisite. So you might get an update card as one of your hits. And then just the general configuration is 12 packs per box. So you get six cards per pack. Pre-sales right now, Troy, 125 US on David Adams here in the States, 170 Canadian on Clouds and Chara. So more expensive in Canada, I think, even with conversion. Uh, thoughts on ice this year. I, I mean, 
125, I think, is a good number. 125 looks not, uh, is, is pretty decent price. I would probably buy a box at that. Is there any? Is there guaranteed anything like auto or anything? I'm not sure. Okay, we'd have to look that up. The only other like like general note on ice is it it doesn't seem like there's really kind of any big changes. It seems like last year's set a little. I mean, the card designs are a little bit different, like they always will be, but we've seen a lot of sets get kind of overhauls or have like new big mm-hmm. and, and maybe there's a card that like will be an Easter egg or something like that, that we just don't know about right now. That'll be a big hit, but on face it's, value um, seems pretty, pretty similar to last year. Yeah. I just looked it up. It's a, at least one auto or memorabilia card. Okay. Is the terminology. But as 125, I think it's a decent price. Okay, yesterday, Troy, we, we're going to move on to talk a little bit of extended series, 2023-24. Okay. Uh, Upper Deck put out their solicitation sheets, as they call them. It right. kind of gives, like, the preview. So these are the sheets that you'll see on, like, Clouds and Char or David Adams or Steel City or Blowout when you go to your pre-order. And there's some interesting nuggets yep. when you look at the card pictures. First, it pretty much confirms, like, what everyone expected, that the Connor yep. Bedard Young Guns canvas will be an extended series. Uh, as it has a picture of the card. Uh, are you a fan of the photo? Nope. I, I'm i used to canvases being really unique, cool pictures. This, to me, is not a unique, cool picture. He's, it's like a warm-up skating photo, yeah. right? Yep. Now, we had the dream of our Mark andre Fleury <laughs> trip photo, <laughs> which we thought would have been the greatest. So that dream died. But, well, here, uh, I, yeah. I got a question for you. What if Bedard went to Upper Deck and said, I want that trip photo to be my canvas? I think it's hilarious. It was great. Would they do it? Would the NHL allow it? Would they do it? I would love to know that. That would be just hilarious. That is a great question. But yeah, <laughs> okay. So if you go back to the, yeah. the regular photo for a second, yeah, I, I just so think they could have picked it. a better because the design is the design, right? It's, yeah. That was set when Series One came out. So you can't really critique the you've either yeah. liked it or haven't liked it. But the photo, it's such an important choice. It's yeah. not like a, a, a awful photo. I think mean, God it's not like a portrait, but yeah, I'm, I'm I can't I'm a little bit a tiny bit disappointed. I'm just and again, I'm gonna harp on this. People are gonna be thinking I'm an idiot, but again, it's a black and white. Why is that logo yellow and blue? I know it's oh. brand stuff, but make it black and white. It's such a logo snap track. But look Love here. Oh, oh, that's probably an acetate, isn't it? Oh, well, let's see. It's a different color there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a retro young. So the other kind of nugget that came out of the solicitation sheets is Oops. when they were showing pictures of young guns, they showed a young yacht, <laughs> golden gopher, go gophers, brother boat, Skyuma, Logan Cooley. So it pretty much confirms that Logan Cooley will be an extended series yeah. young guns. Now I, I have to either. We're just, well, no, if Connor Bedard could be a series two young gun, Logan Cooley could as well. Cause they both made the team mm-hmm. the exact same way yeah. right out of camp. Right. So this is a strategic decision yes, in my sure. mind. 100%, 100%. On, on upper deck. And I actually support it because, yep. you know, there's a lot of people that, and I've seen some comments like when you go to like upper deck, like the Facebook groups and stuff like that, yeah. that it's just upper deck trying to breathe life into extended, you know, get rid of it. It's stupid. It's dumb. To me, it just comes down to it's like, well, do you want to have two flagship releases a year or do you like the idea of three? 
and I agree, like going back to like 2020 or maybe even 2021, it got, it's like, what's the value here? It was rookies mm-hmm. that we never heard of. And, and I, I actually commend upper deck for if they're committed to having a third flagship release and having extended series of really working to build value into it. So now they move the young gun acetates from SP authentic, which makes hurts SP authentic a little bit. So that's kind of creates a little hole there. And then if you move a guy like Cooley, who's uh, having a pretty good year for a rookie. And, and we also don't know if he's the only one, right? So it still leaves Adam Pantilli and Leo Carlson and a couple other guys up in the air too. Maybe one or more might be an extended series as well. I mean, this is just all we can go off of are these solicitation sheets as of right now. But but I just like it. If you're going to have extended series, if you're going to commit to it, then make it valuable. Yep. And by having the acetates, by having the Bedard Young Gun Canvas, and maybe some other series two can- canvases or, or uh, Young Guns canvases in there, and then having the acetates, it makes extended kind of exciting. What do you think? Agree one hundred percent. I think they, I think this product has improved greatly over the last couple of years. Me too. I just hope it's not going to be three hundred dollars. <laughs> Better not be. That was stick. Time to move on to our PWCC Weekly Hockey Preview, one of our favorite segments. So PWCC, of course, sponsors our show. We want to thank them for their support. The January Premier Auction starts a week from today, January 11th, so stay tuned for that. But the current weekly auction is live, ends the Sunday evening. I'll be back after a two-week break, joining Jeremy Lee on his Sports Cards Live YouTube channel starting at 8.30 Central Time to cover the closing of all the key hockey cards in the auction. Hope to see you all in the chat there, of course. But Troy and I have spent some time looking through the weekly auction, and I picked out our favorite vintage and modern cards. And of course, like we always do, we're going to start with our favorite oldies but goodies mm-hmm. on the vintage side. So the first card I picked out, Troy, is a 1984 Tops Wayne Gretzky All-Star. It's card number 154, PSA 10. When we look at like early 80s Gretzkys, we're, we're more off, often than not kind of honing in on the base cards, yep. kind of the big, the big ones, right? You call them from the set. And I just thought this was a really kind of nice looking card. And so, and a little bit different. So I wanted to learn more about it. Remember it's tops, not OPG. So it's going to be a little cheaper and maybe more yeah. affordable right up the bat from that perspective. The PSA 10 pop on this card is 45 wow. out of 1,197 graded. So a 3.8% gem rate. And I'll admit a lot of times, I mean, maybe that's why I don't bring them up is I don't love like the, I don't know what you call them, like the ancillary cards, the all-stars, the mm-hmm. league leaders. That's just not typically my jam, but I really like this card. Yeah. I, I think it's got a lot. It's, first of all, it's a fantastic photo of Wayne, given that kind of side-eye, side look. <laughs> the ever-present Jofa helmet. Yeah. I love the number 99 on his sleeve being kind of right there yeah. and clearly present. Uh, you got the old-school NHL crest logo with the <laughs> yeah. downhill NHL that we love. And on the ref. I love it. Yeah, on the ref. You get the double dose mm-hmm. of it. Uh, it's just a really nice hard design, a really balanced design. Good picture of Wayne. And then the condition looks amazing. I mean, you can go on to pwccmarketplace.com yeah. and inspect it yourself, but pretty hard to come up with a complaint on this card. So, so yeah. Another thing that I'm kind of into, I, and it's funny, I asked Jeremy this question, like if he kind of digs sort of like, Use it like maybe yeah. collecting cards like this to commemorate that era or that season. He was like, I don't care. I was like, oh. <laughs> well, maybe it's just me. 
<laughs> but but I do kind of like that I, from like a collecting uh, you know or a way to collect. So this card, of course, commemorates the 1983-84 season when he because it's an 84 All Star, so it would have been the season before in which he was named an All Star. So that 83-84 season, Troy uh, Gretzky only had 87 goals and 118 assists for. 205 <laughs> points and 74 games played. He must have been hurt or something like yeah, that. Pulled a hammy. Terrible numbers. He'd, he'd won his fifth straight Hart Trophy. He also took home the Art Ross. And Troy, he won the Stanley Cup that year, his very first Stanley Cup. So, again, it just adds a little extra element of kind of, you know, neat thing to the card, yeah. I, I guess, from my perspective. And then, you know, there's not really much else to say. We talk about Gretzky all the time. Um, this is a, a really affordable PSA 10, I, I think early 80s Gretzky. So the last tale, sale of a 1984 tops Gretzky number 154 all-star PSA 10 pop 45 was 374 US dollars on May 15th, 2023 all time high 412 US on May 2021. Think about all like the very marginal rookies that yeah. people spend 375 bucks on all the yeah. time. And you could have this card. Yep. Our brains are so faulty. <laughs> you got a current bid 125 us dollars okay you got the next one i do all right here we go josh 1955 parkhurst still apps is how i'm gonna say it because i watched a video on nhl.com and that's how they said it so i had to put like windowsill so it's syl apps psa2 conditions so josh again it's an old-time player i know nothing about and parkhurst parkhurst cards so again i see this i'm in and I kind of like doing this, look at the set, look at the card, and then learn about SIL apps. So it's a 1955 Parkhurst front show player portrait superimposed against a solid white background. If you're on YouTube, you'll see all this. Yep. For most players, a team logo appears in one of the upper corners. A red stripe below the player has their name, team, and a card number. Card backs, I'll show it here after our YouTube people, are bilingual and printed in red ink. Player's name and vital stats run along the top. Red block with the statistics from previous year runs across the middle. There are two biographies with an English version above the block and a French translation below. A did you know question and a send an offer for an album take up the bottom. Now I always oh. crack up when these do you know questions is not even about the player on the card. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I always think that's how they should be. They should be about the player on the card. But this one. So go back to the front real quick. Yeah. So either they cropped his left arm. Or he, um, it was like, you ever seen like Raphael Nadal, the tennis player? Yeah. Yep. Who's left handed tennis? Like his left bicep is yeah. like three times the size of his right bicep. Yeah. That's kind of <laughs> one, one thing I noticed. Yeah. And I'll, I'll, I'll kind of mention that. I get into that a little bit. Oh, cool. look. Um, all right. So this, this set, this 55 Parkerist was also distributed in boxes of Quaker oat cereal. They are printed in green ink on the back and have a different bottom that identifies them as Quaker Oats hockey cards. They are scarcer than the regular Parker's variations and can sell for multiple times their price. The 55-56 Parker's checklist had 79 cards and only featured players from the Maple Leafs and the Canadians. Old-time greats, remember that, old-time greats, are included in the set as the cards of the two teams' coaches and venues. Cards 69 through 77 feature game action shots with descriptions on the back. And then finally, the key rookie in the set is Jacques Plante, even though he already appeared on an action card the previous year. Oddly, his photo features a background 
or uh, is vertically orientated and is missing a team logo. So we all know that card. We've we've showed it before. The one where he's diving. I think I, there might be one in the auction if well, I remember right. The one thing I know about this set from the Jacques Plante, and what's actually really nice on this card, even though it's a PSA two, is how the red bottom board yes. box or whatever. Yeah, like you look at Jacques Plante's, like like there's a lot of like yellowing of that yeah. in, in many many copies. Yeah. Okay, so that was kind of the history of the 55 Parkers. So now let's look at these, this card. So it's a PSA 2. And Josh, at quick glance at this card, I'm like, holy cow, this looks way better than I would think a PSA 2 would look. Yeah. But once you start looking at it a little close, closer, you'll definitely see some things. You mentioned one. Now, it's not as bad as we've seen, but again, these red borders are really hard to keep nice on the edges. Yeah. So you can see some of the wear, the chipping, there's also it looks like some I don't know if it's cracking or fading right in there. Um, yeah. Obviously the corners it's an old card. Uh, the upper corners you can see too. There's some definitely wear on them. Now getting to what you said, the card definitely is off center, left to right. Somehow there's a miscut or some or the image got kind of messed up because I looked at other copies and there's better versions of it. I've seen where it's a little oh. more, but a lot of them do have this huge white space over here. Now. Still, still, I don't see why it's a PSA 2, but then once you start looking at other copies, this one is almost out of focus. It's if you look at other, if you look at this one, you can see it's just it's slightly off, like the plates were misaligned. Right? Yeah, the registration regist issue, Trey. registration issue. And you can kind of see this once you zoom in. You look at other copies, like I looked at the PSA 6, yeah. way brighter colors, definitely more clear picture. So I think all that added up is kind of why I got a PSA 2. However, when you look at it like this, it doesn't look that bad. I mean, for a no. PSA 2, it actually looks pretty, looks really good. So I think that's kind of why I got the PSA 2 grade. Um, the back, the, well, the back is the back. I've actually, the PSA 6 copy I looked at, this Do You Know Arrow, it was literally cut, the letters on the were cut off. Really? And that was a oh. PSA 6, so this is even better than that, which is, which is kind of interesting. But again, card looks great. It's a PSA 2. Um, it's an old time great card. I kind of mentioned, so he wasn't playing when this was created. He was yeah, old time great. So again, great card. But now let's learn a little about about our boy Charles Joseph, Josh Sylvanius Apps. I yeah, I don't know why yeah. he went by Sil. Sylvanius is way cooler. Yeah, Hall of Famer, three time Cup winner, thirty seven Calder winner, the first winner of the Calder Award. Really? One time late, yeah. One time, Lady Bing winner, named to the NHL's greatest 100 players of all time in 2017 by NHL.com. His number 10 is now retired by the Maple Leafs because they figured out that it's nice to retire players' numbers and yep. change that whole thing. Career stats, he had 201 goals, 231 assists, 432 points in 423 games played. Played his entire 10-year career with the Maple Leafs. Absolute athletic stud. Besides hockey, Josh, he also got sixth place in the 1936 Olympics in pole vaulting. So congratulations, I guess. Hockey and pole vaulter. I think he won the gold at the British Empire Games in pole vaulting, which is just wild. Wow. In, the in the prime of his career, talk about missing playing time, joined the Canadian Army during World War II at the end of the 43 season and served for two years. Retired at the age of 33 to take a marketing job with Simpsons Department Store. Something about these older guys... Playing for like eight, 10 years, like Ken Dryden's the one that comes to mind. 
just played for 10 years, was awesome, and said, I'm going to go out and do something else with my life. I kind of appreciate that. <laughs> it's like, kind of well, what would you bet he got a raise? Oh, probably. Yeah, well, I'm sure. And probably made more at the department store. Yeah. Like, I think Dryden, what did he do? He was like a lawyer or something, or went out to parliament and a bunch of stuff. But, oh, so did Sillaps also served as a member of the provincial, provincial parliament in Ontario. And to top all that, Josh, this is right down right down your family tree, served yeah. as the Minister of Correctional Services from 1971 to 74. If you're a longtime listener, we talked about this way long ago, but Josh has a family member who was the warden at Alcatraz. Alcatraz, yeah. Well, that was, I still will never forget that. We are in, me and Josh, we're in Alcatraz walking around. All of a sudden, you see this picture on the wall, and the guy's name is Madigan, and you immediately call. I don't know who you called, your mom or something. My dad, probably. Your dad yeah. is asking. He's like, oh, yeah, he's your whatever. <laughs> I was just like, what? Yeah, and I never most, knew it until I was at Alcatraz staring yeah, at his picture. It was the most random thing ever. All right, so this card, only two graded copies of PSA 2. Total graded copies of this card at PSA is 88. I couldn't find a PSA 2 sale. I did find a PSA 1 copy that sold on December 19th of this year via eBay, verified in Terapeak for $48.72 US. But a PSA 6 copy sold on July 16th of this year via eBay, verified in Terapeak for $65 US. Go figure. Maybe that was one with the sliced back and that held the value down a little bit. Current bid, Josh, a whopping six US dollars. Six whole dollars? Six whole dollars. I'm sure it's going to go up. Cool card. All right, last vintage card is a card I'd never seen in my life. Have you this seen this wild. card? No, this was wild when, you, when I saw you did this one. Yeah, it threw me through a loop. It's a 1983 Canadian National Juniors hockey Steve Eiserman rookie number 19 uh, BGS 6.5. Again, I'd never seen the card in my life. Had no idea what it was, so I went to trust the old TCDB Troy. <laughs> learned a little bit about it. Yeah, twenty one cards in the set. The cards are bigger than it's sometimes hard to tell when yeah. just looking at a picture of a slab. They're bigger than standard sports cards. So a typical sports card is two and a half by three inches. These are actually quite a bit bigger, three and nine sixteenths inches by five inches. Hmm. Now on the PWCC are. title, it says it's a rookie, but I, I kind of question that, and so I reached out to an expert. Troy, uh, no, not your mom, uh, Jeremy. <laughs> uh, and he says it's not a rookie, so we're going to go with that. Yeah. We'll call I, it pre rookie. Yeah. It's like, how is this a rookie? No, this. And again, it's kind of like, a, no, it's very much akin to the Team Canada Junior sets that come mm-hmm. out today. Yeah. So other notable players from the set are Dave Anderchuk, Mario Lemieux, Pat Verbeek, and Mike Vernon. So Canada ended up taking fifth in the 1982 World Junior Championships. Soviet Union took home the gold, Troy. I know you're a big card back guy, so we're going to have you rate the <laughs> card back here. Nothing. Literally I, I nothing. give that a 10. Link back. <laughs> nothing to distract me. What's wild about cards like this is you can't even tell who the manufacturer is. That's a very good point. I actually, you know what I did? Look at this card up. I tried to find it in the Bobby Burrell book. And I, can, I couldn't find the set in there. I also tried to look just through like card letter sales history and other sales tools. Mm-hmm. To find, like, well, if this is the 1983, was there 1982, was there 1984, yeah. 85, 86? It's the only year I could find, so I'm going to assume, I guess, it's the only year they were produced. Now, the card itself is a BGS 8.5, mainly because the corners are kind of all messed up. I mean, just yeah. not, not in, like, a horrible way, but they've each got a little bit of wear 
a little bit yeah. of white showing, um, a little bit of color loss. It's a and red border. Yeah, right. I don't know if you get this. I thought at first it was like miscut, but I think it actually shifted in the holder. Oh, it looks okay. like it's it looks like it's tilted a little, but that's you can see there's less space here, more here, less. And it is a BGS, yeah. so you can look at the subgrades. Corners are the yeah. worst subgrade at six. Centering is seven point five, and then edges are eight point five, and surface is eight point five as well. Still has pretty good eye appeal, though. I mean, it looks reasonably mm-hmm. centered. You have to really kind of focus on the corners aren't bad. Yeah. So again, I give it a good eye appeal grade, even though it's got a six point five kind of grade overall. Now, what's surprising is these cards can get fairly pricey. Yeah. The so PSA ten, which is a perfect copy, sold for two thousand eight hundred twenty eight US from the PWCC vault in December twenty twenty two. That surprised me. Almost three thousand bucks. That's a lot. One of these. Yeah. Even as like OPG PSA ten goes for like is. Detroit rookie goes for four grand or something like yeah. that. So I, I'm assuming it's pretty rare. I didn't look up the pop count on that one. I couldn't find any BGS 6.5 sales, but a BGS 8.5 was the closest grade I found. So for a hundred US dollars in June of 2022, you got to bid 41 US dollars. Yeah. I just think it's like, an, you know, if you're an Iserman, you know, you don't get a lot of variation or, or variety for these yep. guys that in one card per year, especially in the early eighties. So if you maybe want like a interesting talking piece or conversation starter, it'd be kind of an interesting card to have. All right, we're gonna move on to modern. First card I picked out Troy was a 2015-15 OPG Platinum Ovechkin seismic gold out of 50 PSA 10. So PSA 10 has a pop of two. Wow. We kind of mentioned this before, but as of again, not not knowing what's happened tonight. <laughs> Ovi does have goals in uh back back games, Troy. So are you ready to take back your He's not going to make it. Not yet. Record not yet. Okay. So here's why this card stood out to me. Number one, I'm kind of curious if Seismic Gold mm-hmm. still has the Midas touch. Yeah. You know, we're not seeing like records galore like we have been. It, or if it, and, and I kind of wanted to learn more about that. And then typically we look at rookies for like Seismic Gold. It's kind of curious to see what types of numbers vets sales do. We're not going to do a background on OV because we talk about yeah. it all the time. Uh, but we're going to do but. To me, the interesting background on this card is more the background of Seismic Gold. So this is 2014-15. It's the first year of OPG Platinum. Mm. So this would be the first Ovechkin Seismic Gold card. And if you recall, Trey, like that's one of the things I've been, maybe mantras I've been talking about with collecting, yep. especially veteran players and all these like inserts or parallels where it's gotten very repetitive lately. It's like, well, I think the, the smart play is on the firsts. And so now given that this is the first seismic gold, given that it's a PSA 10 and there's only two of them and the cards numbered out of 50 to begin with, uh, makes it a, you know, which at first I was like, Oh, should I do this card? Should I not? It's like, once I kind of dug into it and I kind of got that context around the card, it's like, you know, it made kind of uh, a lot more interesting to me uh, in, in that regard. Cause I think now there's eight years of platinum yeah, up until the, the 2021 release that so that he could have so there's eight different seismic golds and it kind of gave me the idea too that i don't know if i'd ever do this but that'd be kind of a fun like mini like pc yeah if you wanted to pick a player and say maybe that like started before the uh opg platinum started it's like i'm gonna do the ovechkin seismic gold player running try to get all eight of them that'd be cool Uh, they don't sell super often 
by 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 that I mean any OV seismic gold. <laughs> so per card letter sales history, only fifty-four total sales of any of the eight different seismic gold cards. Only three 2014-15 copies have ever sold, and they were all BGS nines. Mm. Remember, this is a PSA ten. Yeah. So the last BGS nine that sold was seven hundred dollars US this past September. All time high, of course, was another BGS nine that sold for nine hundred US in July. You got the current bid. 280 US dollars. It's like in theory, this should be more than a thousand dollar card, right? Mm-hmm. You'd think so. But you know, you might you might get a good deal. You never know. Okay, you got the next one. I do, Josh. All right. Oh my lord. Sorry, YouTube people. You see the mini version of the card. Here we go. All right, Josh. I had to I found SP Signature Legends. <laughs> I think it was the this might be the first time I've seen an SP Signature Legends in the PWCC weekly. So I decided I had to do it. Or if they've been there, I've totally missed them. But this is the Gold Spectrum Yarmir Yager Auto. So I'm becoming a big Yager fan. Just the more he keeps playing. Oh, I love him. How he just lives his life. I'm just I'm just loving Yager lately. And so a Rangers yeah. Auto is a very interesting Yager card. Yes. Too. Yes. So this that's why I went with this one. Again, the Gold Spectrum Foil Auto of Yarmir Yager. Now, this specific card, I had to look this up because I was really interested on what the odds were. And Yager's auto in, in this, whatever, Gold Spectrum foil have pack odds out of one out of 425. So not super insane, but definitely a short print. The card is raw. If you're watching on YouTube, you see it. It's got the NBA authentication. If you go to the PWCC site at the weekly auction, there's videos of it. There's They have a ton of pictures and video you can see if you want to get a good idea of the general condition of the card. Just they got looking heat at maps it, too. Have you seen Yeah, that? they have heat maps. Yep, definitely have heat maps. If you look at it just in, you know, briefly, it definitely looks in pretty decent condition. Might be, I don't know if this is glare, or might be a little bit of chipping at the top on these dark black borders. Um, left to right centering looks good. Top to bottom is definitely slightly off. Plus, if you look down here, see how the text, sorry, people watching, it says right wing Rangers. It's right on these gold lines. That should be up just slightly. So that's that's the the biggest like thing I saw on the card. But again, that wouldn't bother me that much. <laughs> I, I just want the auto because I think the auto looks pretty decent. I love his gloves that look like Hulk hands. Like, have you seen those big foam green Hulk hands? That's what his gloves look like. Yeah. Just like, just a great picture. Um, again, very cool card. I, I'm really glad I found this card. Now, I'm not, I'm even, not even the biggest, the gold foil spectrum, whatever autos. I, I, I don't know if I like the card design the most or the that much, but I still, I love that it's Yager. And I love that it's a Yager auto. Um, yeah. Again, we've talked about Yager a ton on our show. Absolute legend. Second all-time in NHL history for points. Fourth all-time for goals. Fifth all-time for assists. He should be in the Hall of Fame because the Hall of Fame needs to wake up and wave its stupid rule that a player must have not played in a professional or international hockey game during any of the three playing seasons prior to his or her selection. Seriously, come on. Let's stop it. <laughs> Yager needs to be in the Hall of Fame. That's Lanny McDonald, right? What's, yeah, I think it is. He seems like a little curmudgeon about this stuff. I get having we, rules. I get it, but wave it. It's yeah. so dumb. Do we need it to make a come on Lanny t-shirt or something? Like that? <laughs> oh, we're at the next expo. 
put yeah. Yager in the hall. Because he doesn't, I don't think he stopped it. As long as he owns that team and he can get out there and skate, he's gonna keep playing. All right, recent sale of this card on October 10th of this year via eBay. A raw copy went for $224.50 US. And I found a couple previous sales in September that were $207.77 US and another one for $222.99 US. So I'll give you a kind of idea. Current bid right now is $26 US. That will go up. Yeah, cool card. I, I like the Rangers angle. Yeah. All right, last card we're going to talk about. Modern card is a 2019-20 SP Authentic Jack Hughes 09 Retro Future Watch Auto at a $399. It's raw, but NBA authenticated as well. This is one of those cards that, if you're new to the hobby, just would never make sense to you. Yep. In that, so it's a Future Watch Auto. It's, it's a retro. It's not the true rookie Future Watch Auto, but it's out of $399. And they're worth way less than the yeah. out of 199 copies. And again, you know, naturally you think, well, out of 399, better than out of 999. And we've been doing this a while, so I kind of understand. But then there's part of me that still doesn't understand either. And <laughs> this really like nails the point, right? I'm just going to go straight to the prices here. For instance, the last sale for a raw copy of this 09 Retro Future Watch Auto sold in November for 333 US dollars. The most recent raw future watch auto out of $9.99, $1,300. Yep. There's a $1,000 difference. Just for that cachet. Just for cachet. that cachet. It just blows my mind a little <laughs> bit. And it's just an opportunity, and it's why I picked this card, that maybe if $1,300 is too steep, but you like Jack Hughes, you love the idea of having a future watch auto. Plus, I dig this design. Buy. I dig the yeah. design. It's not a bad buy. at. You know, roughly three hundred some dollars versus mm-hmm. again versus thirteen hundred, and almost a, a point and a half per game this season too. He could be well on his way to his first hundred point season. Also has the opportunity to reach forty goals again, which would be back to back seasons. Kind of an important hobby milestone for him there. And again, I just mentioned last sale was uh, the raw was three hundred thirty three on November third. All time high was his jersey number, so it was eighty six out of yep. three ninety nine. So for five eighty two, that, that's pretty cool. In December twenty twenty one. And then, too, if you're looking for grading upside, maybe go look at this. Maybe inspect it real closely. Look mm-hmm. at the heat map. I think there's one maybe on the back left corner, bottom left corner, a little issue. But PSA 10s go for about 600 right now. Mm. So, you know, that could be an opportunity there, too. And, and that's where I, like, really like on the raw cards with that NBA authentication. You're like, well, what's yeah. that? What's the big deal? Because you get a lot of, um, you know, a lot more images. You get the videos. You get that heat map to really kind of understand versus looking at like some like half legible uh, eBay photo that people spend thousands of dollars on cards on. You really get a kind of a good understanding through PWCC and what you're buying. Yeah, at the the eBay, I was going to say the eBay photo of the cards sitting in like the couch right in like yeah. between the mattress or the cushions. Uh, 46 US dollars. Yeah, it's like great grandma's like floral <laughs> yeah. 1960s couch. It's like, holy cow. Awesome. Uh, okay, so again, check out all the other cards at pwccmarketplace.com. We're going to end the show, personal pickups. So uh, we have some some stuff to report. That's kind of cool. Yeah, so I got a box of... Did you get boxes too? Did you buy a box? I got the same ones you did, yeah. Okay, box of SP Signature Edition Legends and a box of Synergy. Synergy. I can't. Obviously, I didn't write down the year of the Synergy. Was it 21, 22? 21, yeah. So like Cole yeah. Caulfield, Rick yeah. Actually, I got decent 
cards in both, like non-autos. <laughs> My autos in SP Signature Edition Legends weren't the greatest. Rick, Rick Vive is pretty cool to me because I remember watching him play in the 80s. And then got a couple of the nice inserts, but I mean nothing, nothing incredibly valuable or anything. Yeah. Uh, your boxes weren't great. Yeah. Just like from like an ROI perspective. I don't think I'm going to do pack opening videos on mine. Uh, I had a worse synergy box than you. So that kind of sucked. <laughs> yeah. uh, I did get this. I didn't put a uh, Daryl Sittler all time future watch out of 99. Oh, that's, that's cool. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's a good one. I get a lot of Daryl Sittler cards. Uh, <laughs> he's a good player. So, and then I did have one other pickup. I got it on Com C. I'm just a big fan of the 2021 Flare Ultra. Uh, gold medallions and platinum medallions. So gold medallions. I swear you had this. I thought you already had this card. I might. It was like six dollars. <laughs> you know, I, sometimes these are just cards that I yeah I like, and um I don't know. I just think are really cool, and I, I thought it was good value. You know, I like my guy Leon. Yeah, uh, been a little quieter this year, but uh, yeah, it's just a kind of a had to get something. Trying to work on some trades with my card post too. So we'll see. Maybe a big one might be brewing there. Well, that's our show. I'm like dying with this cold. <laughs> I'm about to, uh, need to itch my nose really bad. <laughs> but if you like the episode, please leave a rating review on Apple, Spotify, whatever podcast app you listen to us on. Hopefully our microphones were good too. Yeah, if you feedback. love the show, you want to <laughs> yeah, support us, want to chat with us on the Hockey Cards Gong Show Discord server, please consider a $5 month donation. Join our $199 support level tier on Patreon. Link is in the show description in our podcast apps or on YouTube. It's on the Patreon website, patreon.com. You can just search for Hockey Cards Gong Show. You can go to hockeycardsgongshow.com and there's a become a patron link, or it's in our Instagram and TikTok profiles as well. And Troy, you might not know this, but the Hockey Cards Gong Show is on social media. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. And then Troy, the Hockey Cards Gong Show podcast is a production of Dollar Box Ventures LLC. Have a great start to 2024. Have an awesome weekend. We'll see you all again on Monday.